Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to the Totally Driven Entertainment Radio Network. In the future, none of you are heroes. You're legends. Get driven. Stay driven. Ladies and gentlemen, good evening and thank you for tuning in to our Thursday night programming of Totally Driven Radio. <laughs> but why wouldn't you tune into the greatest show heard all around the world? That's right, people. We are back after a week off, and it's time to get driven. That's right. Television Radio, we are live. My name is Bay Ragney, and my co-host is also he, – he's actually live in stereo. Now, Janetti, I, I haven't clicked the button yet, but somehow you're showing up on the, uh, the switchboard as called in twice. So I'm a little confused by this. So I'm going to try the first one first and see if you're there. Yeah, are you there? I guess not that one. So I'm going to hang up on that one. I'm going to do this one. Kennedy, are you there? There I am. There you go. Now, did you hear me the whole time? That was weird, man. I heard you the whole time, but... You know, I couldn't. I when you were saying, "Are you there?" in the first one, I I saying, "Hey," and no. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that's because like it tells. It even gives you like the time, like how long you were on hold, and both times were the exact same. It, it was weird. It was pretty, I've never seen that before. <laughs> well, I'm an anomaly. Can you say? There you go. <laughs> you have officially been cloned, my friend, and we all want to know the secret. <laughs> so it's Thursday. We're back. We haven't talked in two weeks. Yes. What the hell have you been doing with yourself? Uh, nothing. It's it's nice down here now. It goes down into the into the sixties and at night, and you know it's very nice here now. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, up here today, uh, I think when we woke up today, it was like five degrees. Oh, wow. That sucks. 
and during yeah, the day, it was around 25, 26. Yeah, ask me again if I miss you. <laughs> <laughs> but but to show you how retarded the weather is, um, like today, it's, it was 25, 26. Tomorrow, it's going to be the exact same way. And then yeah. Saturday, all through next week, it's going to be back in the 40s and 50s again. Like, it makes no sense. No. Not really. Um, but, no. Hey, so, know. right. What are you going to do? Grin and bear it. That's all you yeah. can do. Sure. Well, we're going to grin and bear our show tonight. We have, we have a show. We're back. Uh, myself <laughs> and Janae are really looking forward to tonight because we get to do a little uh, a little reunion of, well, my wrestling past and his wrestling past and current since he's still involved in the wacky world of professional wrestling. And we get to welcome uh, a, a person from uh, the old days of ECW, a person who was quite freaking hysterical and always puts a smile on my face. He is known as the quintessential stud muffin, Joel, and I'm not going to steal any of his lines because I couldn't remember them anyway to begin with, but uh, Joel Gertner. Well, well, well. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can't wait to talk to him. I know. It's it's been a while. I haven't seen him in a while. And I know he's been up to a lot, so Yeah, you know, it's funny because um today I was sitting excuse me. I was sitting there today, um going through and uh watching like people put together like montage videos of all Gertner's like uh openings and all. And I, I just sit there, and I can watch them videos over and over, and they don't get old, and I just continue to smile through, uh, you know, every one. Sure. Absolutely. He's, he's, he's fun. I love him. Yeah. Good stuff. It's entertaining. What's that? You have to forgive me. I'm cat-sitting. Well, sort of sitting. You're cat-sitting? Yeah. For who? One of the neighbors. Wow, how'd that happen? Yeah, one of the old folks. Neighbor. (laughs) Came by and said, hey, can you feed the cat? Sure. Well, that's really nice, though. That's something you don't hear a lot of anymore, like neighbors (laughs) actually being neighborly and socializing. (laughs) Yeah, right. Yeah, nice folks. So, that's cool. And the yeah. cat's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so that's going to be coming up at the 9 o'clock. We're going to be talking with Joel. And then at 10 o'clock, we're going to be talking to um, Josh, a.k.a. The Boss, from the band Hellevate. And uh, they're out of Kansas City, Missouri. They're uh, they're heavy thrash band. So we're going to be talking to Josh and learning all about Hellevy and uh, their latest release, which came out earlier this year, and we're going to play some music from them, and we're going to do a little headbanging in the 10 o'clock hour. Ooh. So I hope everybody's, uh, you know, in, in the first half of the show, you get to wear your neck brace like Gertner and relax the neck and, and get it prepared. And then in the last hour of the show, we get to um, work the neck and do a little headbanging. And then coming up in, like, two minutes is the one and only Kristen Burt with our Hollywood news. There's so much to catch up on. And, uh, yeah, but, you know, I can't wait. I can't wait to talk Kristen. 
Yeah, and we we haven't talked to her in two weeks, and, and I'm sure she's been doing a lot. So yeah, she's been bebopping around a uh, award season of the Thomas, so she's out and about yeah. awards and stuff like that. So yeah. and also like uh, I, I when I uh, emailed her today, um, I emailed her. I said uh, I, I titled it two words. And the body of my email just said, Leah Remini. And I'm just going to give it away now. That That's my totally driven person probably of not only this week, but for the next however many weeks that show she has is on. Have you watched that at all? Um, I caught a couple minutes of it here and there. And, uh, you know, when the lady started crying, I was like, all right, I'm done. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, stuff like this just doesn't doesn't you know what I mean? It just doesn't get me. It's never been my, no. my thing. Mm. So I, I just don't this whole scenario, this whole scene, this whole situation. I just I don't know. It's crazy. I mean, that's the, the only word you can really put with it all is it's just absolutely batshit crazy. Mm. I just, yeah. I don't know, man. I always thought that, you know, you can get, you can follow anybody. You know, you can get anybody to follow you. You know what I mean? That's just, to me, is like. That's the scary part. Yeah. yeah, totally. You know, and that's, uh, that. as I sit and watch that show every week, that's exactly what I say to myself. Like, it, it was weird because. Jess actually spun it to me the other way where I was like, wow, okay. Like, uh, you know, I was saying, I was just like, how stupid can these people be? Like, they don't realize or see. And and then she said, well, look, like, you were brought up Catholic, and you went to Catholic school as a kid, and you were taught a certain way, and that's what you believed and taught. I said, yeah, but I said, I got to a point by the time I hit, like, sixth or seventh grade, where I really saw, like, what it was all about. And the bottom line was money. And I realized that at a young, a young age. It wasn't like right. I was, Well, know? money and control. You yeah. have to have something. You have to have a boogeyman uh, to, to be able to keep people in line. You know, there has to be that, you know, the carrot and the stick. It has to be something that, you know, of punishment to keep these people in line. So it's all, you know, they all make up boogeymans and, and that's it. That's basically it. It's, yeah. it's money and control. We're going to keep control right. over you and we're going to get your money. Yeah. But see, I, it's crazy. Well, I always thought about it real quick. I always thought about it. Law and Order had an episode of like a cult type leadership where it was money, you know, given the thing. Basically, the guy that right. explained it, he said, he said that um, what happens is these people get money, and they're, they're messed up people to begin with. But after they get all this money, they feel guilty, and they don't know what to do with it. So they're looking for somebody, for something, to lead them to get that guilt away. And they start giving their money away to these morons. Happens quick. Well... Let's, uh, Kristen's on the line waiting, so let's get her on here. Hey, Kristen, how are you? I'm great. How are you? Good. I, I, I'm figuring you already know what we're talking about. Like, I, I couldn't wait. Like, this whole 
um, Scientology Leah Remini thing, it's really got me like freaked out. Yeah, I mean, here in in Los Angeles, we've sort of had everything revealed for a while. You know, it gets written up every once in a while in kind of some of the trade magazines like Variety and The Hollywood Reporter. And um, so a lot of the stuff that's super shocking, I've heard. Um, But it's a huge but on this. The fact that Leah Remini is going full balls to the wall on this, and, and this girl has the biggest balls ever, honestly, um, to confront Scientology in the manner that she is. Um, they're doing their best to discredit her, but I think at this point the church, like, oh, so much has been revealed that people are going, wait a minute, you're a cult, you're not a church. Um, right. It's hard to discredit her at this point. That's what I think. Um, I don't think many people are looking at Leah Remini like, oh, my gosh, she's just nuts. I think she's ballsy, is what, and I think she's courageous and... Um, and totally. she is so fortunate, and I will say this a thousand times over, she is so fortunate her entire family left with her because if you're watching her series, you know that a lot of families never see each other again because some stay in the church and some leave, and you can't talk to people that have left the church. That is like, I mean, watching this and, and learning about this stuff um and that right there, what you're saying, I mean, that's heartbreaking. You see, you know, I, I never realized this stuff. I mean, I always knew, like, okay, Scientology. I never knew the gist of things and all. And, and like, when they explain, like, what the thought of it is, you think to yourself, oh, you, it's, it's, it sounds like just a, a real positive way of thinking of life. But it's a freaking nightmare. You know, it really is. And um, it. Most rational people, like, look at this as as you hear some of the things that are revealed. And, you know, the third episode really kind of went into, dug deep into really what the sort of foundation of the um, religion, and I say that with kind of air quotes, religion actually is. Um, And it's just like, how can you believe in aliens and Xenu and, you know, all of this stuff that um, sci-fi-wise is is fun. And I, I think it's, you know... I don't sit there and think that we're the only living beings in, on any planet ever in any universe. Um, but do I believe that, like, Zeno is my God and that there's Thetans and all these other crazy things that get thrown around in Scientology? No, because a rational person would say, no, that doesn't happen. And, you know, I mean, you can get into the whole hierarchy. I mean, people that are atheists are going to go and say, well, you know, Christianity and um, and other other religions that have their own God are sort of have different issues, but you have to understand, like, this one's based on pure science fiction. (laughs) There's no history. There's pure science fiction in the whole thing. So, um, and and then you go, you dive even deeper into this, and and you get into the abuses of the church, uh, which are disgusting. Um, It's everything from, (laughs) I hope you didn't hear my cat. She's really loud. Um, But you get everything from, you know, um, physical abuse, emotional abuse, sexual abuse, um, and they get away with it because the church, they they don't care. Have they mentioned that at all? Like, I have not heard them say that yet with sexual sexual abuse. Yeah, they haven't gotten there yet. Um, well, the first episode actually talked a little bit about it with one of the former Scientology members. She had sex with a, an older Scientology member, but she was 14. So by law, that is rape. You know, I'm sure right, that, you right. know, that he's going to say, the 35-year-old's going to say, well, it was consensual because she wanted it. It's rape. So um, 
it's it's one of those things though um it, it it's astonishing to me that that high level stars and i will tell you the people who've worked with tom cruise and people that have worked with john travolta say the nicest things about them say they're really nice men but you sit there and go how nice are they if they are okay with all of this going on that's my big question that, that's just right like and i said that to my wife as we've been watching i'm like you mean to tell me like Tom Cruise or Travolta or none of these other people have not seen none of this stuff go on? I, I do think that they are, and I, I think legitimately they are sheltered from a lot of the abuse um, and told things, and I think that they are so tightly protected within the church that um, they just probably believe, okay, you know, that that person had, um, you know, was just seeking revenge or had a vendetta or, or whatever it is. Um, but you know, it, it is fact that Tom Cruise has people working for him for like $25 a week, but it's, it's coming out of the church payroll. So, you know, if he's not looking at the church payroll, what does he know? Right. And the people that are working for him are not going, because they're sort of under this spell, they're not going to say, I'm making $25 a week and I work 40 hours for you. It's crazy. It's crazy. And like I said, there's a lot of 10 year olds. I just was going to say there's a lot of 10-year-olds that probably have a uh, an allowance that's close to that and do less work. Right. Oh, yeah. It, it seems like they just happen to find um, people that have money. I mean, it, it, it's just, is it like a coincidence? I mean, I just, how do they find these people? Well, the interesting thing, and, and kind of in its heyday, which was in the 90s, um, early 2000s, when, if you hit big in Hollywood, uh, you would start being courted by the church, even if you weren't a member. If you're like, I'm Catholic, I'm Jewish, I'm not interested in Scientology, they would still invite you to events. Um, they, would, they would kind of like try and get you, because they'd be like, you can be a Catholic and still be a Scientologist. You know, that's their big thing all the time. You can be both. Um, but really, they just want you 100% to be a Scientologist. Um, so they were courting a lot of young Hollywood at a certain point, and they were successful because they they were growing by leaps and bounds. Um, now they're seeing their numbers dwindle because people are just like the can of worms has been open and people see this. But um, right. they they want the, they want the one percent because the one percent is what is funding the church. It's the Tom Cruises, right. the John Travolta's. It's not the people in Sea Org, which is their labor division that's funding them. Even though, even if they make $25 a week, they're still giving money to the church. So let's take that money out and what? You're giving 10% because that's the, you know, the typical tithe. So if you're giving 10%, you're taking away from your $25 that you earned. I mean, it's gross. It's just gross. It is. It totally is. Wow. Yeah. Now, so, and yeah. And it, it, it's so I, hard for us to, to see. Right. And the one thing, I mean, if people are watching where you see, like, they really focused on uh, on last week's episode where the, they, uh, they were attacking and, you know, constantly harassing this, the, the one guy. Um it's just I, I, like scary, like and I said to you in the email, like I'm really scared for her life, like because I really think somebody's going to try to do something to her at some point. Yeah, I mean, 
I'm sure that she has upped her, you know, security and things like that um, and surrounded herself probably with some um, people that are keeping their eye out, honestly, just because right. she kind of has to. She doesn't have a choice at this point. And she knows that because she decided to come forward and say something. And um, she basically said, I am not going to stop until they shut down. So um, I, I love Leah Remini. And I will tell you, I met her when she was deep in the church um, as a Scientologist. And I will tell you, it is one of my most memorable interviews because she's always been unfiltered and she's always been real and she's always been authentic. And what you see is what you get with her. But if you uncover right. that sort of tough exterior um, is the heart of gold. And um, she is just, um, I, I just, I love that aspect of someone that, that can be in the bubble of Hollywood and um, deal with all the, the craziness of, of the entertainment industry and still come home and be like, I want to be with my family. I want a big Italian meal. And like, that's what I want to be surrounded by. I just want like realness. She's, even though she's right. best friends with J-Lo and, you know, and she hangs around with a lot of the Dancing with the Stars crew after doing the show. A lot of people stayed friends with her. Um, she's the type of person, like, you don't have a place to go at Christmas, you come to my house. I will feed you. You can stay over. She's that girl. Nice. Now, do you personally know any, um, like, and, and I'm not saying, like, ce- celebrities, et cetera, like, people mm-hmm. that you personally know, are any of them Scientologists? Um, personally, that I, I associate with, no. I, my former dermatologist was a Scientologist. I will say that. Um, I would go to someone else now. But um, the funny thing is that she would have, she would have the Scientology paraphernalia in the lobby, like brochures, and you know, I think it's a way that if I had asked a question about it, she certainly would have <laughs> been open and probably and invited me to an event. She never right. ever. It, you know, encouraged me or brought it up or anything else like that. But it did get to a point while she was a good dermatologist, I started feeling uncomfortable because the paraphernalia got like more. Um, it got to a certain point, like right. in the lobby, instead of it just being like a pamphlet, there were like books and <laughs> you know what I mean? Photos and you just started in the Dianetics book. It just started feeling really uncomfortable. And I was like, it's just not for me to be around. Because gotcha. I am supporting indirectly by you are indirectly supporting um, the abuses of the church, and at that by that point I had started to hear things that were happening. Right. Scary, 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 scary. So uh, let's go into uh, actual stories you might have. Um, are they scarier than this? <laughs> <laughs> I know. Is anything scarier than this? Um, let's just talk about something that I think probably resonated with, with all of us. And that was the death of Alan Fick this week. Um, you know, here's the crazy thing. Uh, He's, he's at a, um, and just to give perspective on all of this, and, and it's a reminder for all of us to stay on top of your health. Um, because it's, it's one of those things that, um, he was at a, um, a skating rink, um, in Burbank and it's, the only skating rink in Burbank. So I knew that when he had gone to um, Providence St. Joseph's hospital, I'm like, he was a quarter of a mile from the hospital. So um, he was really close. There's no issue of like, Oh gosh, was there a timing issue? Um, The paramedics would be there within a matter of honestly two minutes at most. Um, And they said when he left the rink, they, the paramedic, he was talking, he was alive he was sitting up on the gurney on, and, and he passed away at the hospital. So um, it's one of those things oh, that, okay. um, 
Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that scary to just think like he wasn't feeling well, he was vomiting, he had, you know, collapsed and um, the skating rink was like, we think you're having a heart attack. So they, they did immediately call 911. Paramedics were there right away. He felt better. Um, and this has to do, you know, you get into the science of it all, but his valves were probably constricted. They opened up a little bit. And when he sat up, that actually probably worsened his condition without realizing um, what was going right. on fully. <laughs> so, um, uh, but just the shock, because 69, again, is, is very young. We're not living in, you know, the Middle Ages where people die at 30. And, uh, you know, he was someone that had worked. He had never been on Dancing with the Stars, but he had worked on a lot of the, the shows um, that are done outside okay. of Dancing with the Stars, some of the Dancing Pros Live, and he hosted the, a lot of them. And he always looked great. He looked healthy. He looked fit. And I will tell you, he was well-loved in this town. Shame. really is a shame. Yeah, I was, like, when I started coming across the, you know, social media world, I was just, I was blown away. I couldn't not believe it. I, I just want to tell 2016, like, I think we're all going to sit there at midnight on New Year's Eve and just be like, good hell. <laughs> See you later. Yeah, oh, yeah. Nobody wants oh, yeah. 2016 back ever again. <laughs> you know, it's funny because the, the morning after uh, Alan Sick, there was a story floating around. Um, a buddy of mine shared it out that Drooper from the Banana Splits died. And I was about oh. to go, oh, my God, not another one. And he's like, no, 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 it's a fake story. It's a fake story. <laughs> oh, you're like, fake news, fake news, <laughs> which we all know well from 2016 as well. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's, just, it's I, one I, of those. I, it's I feel just, bad for his... It's been quite a year. His son that was with him. That I mean, that had to be heartbreaking. Well, well, yeah, and here's the crazy thing about it all, was that um, he was feeling well enough. He's like, I'm going to go to the hospital and I'm gonna get this checked out, but he said to his son, take a photo. This will be hilarious for social media later. Oh. So they took a photo of him oh, on the gurney. Oh, oh yeah. no. Oh. Because we're all, I mean, like, this is the thing. Like, we're all like, oh, this will be a funny moment. I mean, he, and, and for him, you know, it was, I'm sorry, it has not. And, you know, thank goodness it was taken okay. by his son on his son's phone. We'll never see that. And um, that's good. You know, the family should be able to just grieve in private. But I think, you know, um, if you see everyone that, that worked with him, everyone from Kirk Cameron, you know, someone who's controversial to Leonardo DiCaprio to pretty much anyone on a, on a 90s sitcom at some point encountered him. Everyone had great things to say about him. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. You know, yes. it's like one of those things. I'm like, I don't want to open up Twitter anymore. I'm so like, <laughs> like, what's next? What's next? I know it's, it's every day. It's so scary. To look and see, I, I, to look in the mirror to make sure I'm still alive myself. You don't know anymore. Well, yeah, you don't. You don't, and it's you know, it's again, like I said, it's a reminder to all of us, like, stay on top of your health. Don't skip those preventative care routines and things like that. You know, and, and uh, it was funny too because um, yesterday, like, uh, for Wednesday every week, I go I go to Hooters for lunch and have a little. Uh, little me time, and uh, so they were talking about with it. girls with uh, shiny tights. 
<laughs> yeah, with the shiny pantyhose, yes. So um, they were talking about it as I'm sitting at the bar having lunch, and um, what, what, what did he do recently? Um, I don't even remember. Fuller House? But the he did an girl, episode of Fuller House. He did Fuller House. How about before that? Oh, This Is Us? He was on the NBC show This Is Us? Maybe. Because she was saying, the Hooters girl was saying something recent, and this other guy was, he was saying, um, growing pains. I'm like, yeah. I, I said, do you remember Thick of the Night? And then he looked at me, he's like, what is that? I'm like, wow, I just really <laughs> showed my age. <laughs> <laughs> you know, no one would know him as a talk show host. I would know him as Mike Seaver's dad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was just like, wow. Okay. <laughs> I I earned these gray hairs. You're like I am over thirty five. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Oh, uh, so have uh, any other? Uh, how about some any good news going on? <laughs> I know. You know, it's one of those things. Um, it, it is kind of interesting because it's been like kind of really. It's been weird, kind of bad news. I think that. Um, you know, I just I feel like everything since the election has been really strange for so many people. Um, but you know, we can talk about a little bit about award season because we've had SAG nominations come out, Golden Globe nominations, um, and the good news is because it was a big, big, big story last year um, with Oscars so white. It looks like it's going to be a more diverse group altogether. Um, Movies like Moonlight, you've got Hidden Figures, um, Fences. So, oh, you know, it's only one year each year. You know, it depends on on who's in the mix and what films are in the mix. But at least it's at least this year it's moving in the right direction and sort of representing old, young, diverse women, men. I think that's that's one of the most important things to come out of those like two mm-hmm. nominations. We won't see Oscar nominations until January twenty fourth. Okay. Do you think it was a, a conscious decision from people to really? You know, uh... I would say no in this case because um, I've seen most of the films out there, and um, Moonlight is terrific. And you've got movies like Fences, which stars Viola Davis and Denzel Washington, and it's like a masterclass in acting. Um, and I would say that that uh, Viola Davis is probably the front runner to win Best Supporting Actress. And then you have um, Hidden Figures, a, another one, which it, it's a fascinating story too. I was like, I didn't even know this existed, but it talked about um, African American women in the fifties who worked for NASA, and they were called computers, basically human computers. They would compute different entry points for the astronauts to <laughs> come back down to Earth. Um, right. And yeah, I mean, this was a fascinating story and you have, um, I, you have great performances like Octavia Spencer, um, in the mix and, uh, um, Janelle Monet. I mean, great, just great movie and fascinating story. It was one of those that I definitely like went back and, and researched once I got home from the, the film. Cause I was like, wow, these women are incredible. The fact that they're women is incredible working in that field in that era. And then also the fact that you add the element of civil rights um, really hadn't started at that point. It's the 1950s. Right. They were still had separate bathrooms. They, and they had to deal with that on a daily basis. 
Yeah, I saw the trailer for that the other night, and I was like, I, I was like, whoa! Like I, I was taken off guard by it. And I was like, it looked really interesting. It's really, it's a really good film, and it's, um, I, I think it's something that appeals to kind of a broad base of people because it's a fascinating story. So you kind of hit the people that like science, you hit the people, women, because you've got like strong female leads. Um, and it's definitely one of those things that it, you do go back and research more. Cause you're like, I want to know more about the story. I want to know more about these women, who they are, what they did, what they've accomplished. And, um, uh, you know, one of them received the presidential medal of honor. One of them has a science center named after her. I mean, we're talking about like major, major accomplishments really at a time where wow. women were not working. And again, we weren't in the era of civil rights. So it's so impressive. Hmm. And the movie yeah, moves fast too. Like it's, it's entertaining. It's yeah. It's not one of those that you're like looking at your watch that happens. I just saw, I saw a movie that's in contention for sort of award show season. And I was like, I loved the first hour. And then the second hour I was like, I am checking my watch. And that was, um, lion with <clears throat> Nicole Kidman and Dev Patel. I'm both who got nominated, but I was like, I liked it when they showed the younger kid, um, in his life. And then when they got to the adult part, I was like, um, they lost me. <laughs> Incredible story, incredible true story, but I was like, I just felt like it was a little too dramatic and we're trying to be all Oscar-worthy kind of thing. That's where people lose me when I'm like, I'm going to do a dramatic monologue and this is going to get me an Oscar nomination. <laughs> you know, that's funny. That's a, that's a name I really haven't heard much of in a while. Kid. Yeah, you know, she's pretty picky with her projects um, and she can be. And, you know, she... The, the nice thing for her is that she's got a career where she picks and chooses and scripts. Um, she also has a husband that is very successful. So, you know, he can be out on the road and she can stay home with the kids or they can go out the road with the, her husband. So she's in a, in a very fortunate position. Let's put it that way. Um, Absolutely. So that when she is ready to act and do whatever she wants to, she's like, this is the project that I want. Hmm. I bet we all wish we could Good do for that. her. Oh, <laughs> One thing I wanted to say too was um, you you actually had think, had mentioned this two weeks ago, and uh, I, I was seeing some more about it, and that's um, Lamar Odom about going back into rehab. Um, yes, and that to me, I was so happy to hear that Lamar Odom was going back to rehab, and I was like. This is great. He's doing it on his own. He's doing it for the right reasons. The next day, they admit that oh. he is doing a reality show about his recovery. And I was like, Ugh, no. all for the wrong reasons. He's doing it for the paycheck. And I know he needs it. Like, like I told you, I'm like, he is living down the street from me. As I said, in a very nice apartment building, we would, that's something that like the average person would afford, not someone that was a Laker and had made, you know, multi-million dollar, had multi-million dollar contracts. Um, so he obviously is needing the cash. And um, I was a little frustrated to hear that. But he's got to wow. have a job. Like he can't, what's he going to do? What's he going to do? Uh, you know, I'm, <laughs> because that's what I, I didn't see all that. I just saw that, um, you know, he did it himself. And um, a big part of this, the, the whole 
drug thing that really uh, sent him downhill was the death of his son early on. And I was like, wow. I was like, wow. I, you know, stuff I, I wasn't, didn't know. And I'm like, seeing that he put himself in, I'm like, good for him. Like, oh, right. Like, all right, I'm a Lamar side for once. And now you just totally put me right back to, to reality. I know. Isn't that frustrating? Because you're like, I'm really rooting. I always root for that person that's like, you know what? I can't live like this anymore. It's not working. So let me do something, not only for myself, but for my family. Because he's got, you know, two girls um, that, you know, he has to, to worry about. And it's one of those things that you're like, that's great. That is such a good story. And then you're like, oh, yeah, of course. Of course you're doing a reality show. Of course. Of course. Of course. Unbelievable. Yeah. Wow. Disappointing, I will say that. Absolutely. So uh, tell your person. Uh, you already know my pick. <laughs> You're like Leah Remini. Um, I'm going to go. We actually picked her a few weeks ago, and I think we wound up picking the firemen and stuff. But Dolly Parton had a really great fundraiser for all of the families affected Ooh. by the Tennessee wildfires and uh, raised $9 million the other night. So um, Dolly is the real deal, another authentic, fantastic celebrity. Um, you know, more of a Nashville girl, but um, certainly – walks amongst us in Hollywood and, and, uh, and she will be, this is really cool. Actually, they're honoring Lily Tomlin, um, this year with a lifetime achievement at the screen actors guild awards in January. And they said that Dolly would be there to present and Jane Fonda. So they're going to do like a whole little nine to five trifecta. Oh, nice. Very nice. That's a, that's a good one. You know, I, I, I've been just so tunnel vision with Leah Remini lately. Like, uh, like, nobody else is coming to my radar, but, you know, I, I did see, I actually had the press release for that, um, about her raising $9 million. That's That's amazing. It's, it's awesome, because we all know, you know, anytime you lose something in a fire, we've, we've known someone here, obviously. Um, it's devastating. But also, you know, the holiday times just makes it that much worse. Um, right. Just because you know you want to be with family and you want to be home and spending that time, and, and unfortunately you're piecing your life back together. It's it's tough. This is true. All right. Well, uh, Janetti, who did you have? Uh, well, this past Saturday night, uh, I went to a show down here in Florida, a wrestling show. Uh, see some friends that I knew. Uh, uh, Teddy Long was in town. Rikishi, the Headbangers, a few other guys. One of the tag uh, teams that was in was Crime Time. Uh, I don't know if you know the, those guys, Bay, but uh, the big guy, Shad Gaspar, uh, he came out. I said, got to talk to him for a few minutes. Anyway, as they were going back to the airport Saturday night, they stopped off at the gas station. And I saw somebody, this go ahead. Yeah, some schmuck decided to pull a gun on this dude. <laughs> He pulls a gun on Shad Gaspar, and basically Shad just threw him to the ground. Hit him a couple <laughs> times and, and held him for the police to arrive. Uh, and if you guys don't know this dude, Shad is probably about 6'6", six, six, and close to, I'd say, 270 pounds. Uh, all of it muscle. He is a huge dude. If there was somebody that I was going to pull a gun on, it wouldn't be him. Because you'd probably shoot him and he'd just get mad. So, Messing with the wrong uh, person. Yeah, that, that was, you know, 
and and Shad's a really cool dude. So you know, I'm glad he wasn't hurt. I'm glad nobody was hurt. But uh, this kid, uh, they pulled the gun. He was hurt. Uh, but yeah, that's so, funny. Yeah, Somebody asked for it. Yeah. <laughs> they played that on the news here the other night in Philly, and uh, the yeah. newscaster, the lady's like, she was hysterical. She's like, I-, I can't believe the stupidity in this guy. She's like, I have to watch it again. She kept having them fight. She watched it like three or four times. She, <laughs> she yeah. kept on watching it. <laughs> Just, just it was like a snapmare that 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 he face bumped on this kid. I don't, I don't know what to even call it, but he just, it, it wasn't, it wasn't even a, a struggle. Just took him straight to the ground. So that's a good one too. That yeah, is a good but one. I mean, I, I but, you know, I, I would go. That was just, you know, since I'm, uh, he, nobody was hurt and, and Chad's okay and, and everything's fine. Uh, I would go probably with with the Dolly Parton one just to, you know. Because that yeah. was sad with all that thing. Yeah. And, and I'm glad she went out there and, and you know, so. But now, anyway. if he if he saves, like, $10 million for somebody, you know, he might have trumped Dolly. But since Dolly raised $9 million, uh, it, it, it's yeah. kind of hard to, to beat Dolly. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. And Dolly's a real deal. Uh, too funny. <laughs> So next week is going to be our last live show of the year, and it's going to be our Bye. best of 2016 award show. So um, we're going to have to figure out, I guess, a totally driven person of the year, um, maybe best news story of the year or biggest news story. Mm-hmm. Probably the death. We'll have to figure that out. I'll have to give some thought to that one. And uh, Nick is going to come back next week and join us for next week's show and uh, recap the year with us. Awesome. That'll be so much fun. Yeah. Cool. And how about you? Where are you going to be at this week? Um, the good news is, is things are um, quieting down in Los Angeles. In fact, tomorrow, everyone should have this work schedule, but pretty much L.A. shuts up, <laughs> shuts down um, from the 16th. Is tomorrow the 16th? What's tomorrow's date? I don't even know. Yes. 18th, 16th, yeah. 16th, uh, 16th, 16th, all the mm-hmm. way through the first of the year. So um, everyone won't go back to work until January 2nd or 3rd, um, just because the studios are basically shut down and, and production has stopped and uh, everyone takes a couple weeks off. I'll be doing some writing, but um, events have definitely tapered off. So it's, it's nice. I need a little reprieve. It's been a very busy three weeks. Absolutely. Very nice. Well, relax, uh, and uh, I can't wait to uh, talk next week and wrap the year up. Yes, I will definitely uh, do some get some do some research on on 2016. So much happened. I know, scary. Mm-hmm. Cool. All right. Well, we will talk to you then, Kristen. Thank you as always. Well, Sounds always. good. Thank you. Take care. Yep. Bye. All right. Well, there she goes, Kristen Burt. Check her out all over the world with social media. She is a busy bee. You can find her uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. I think Snapchat as well. K-R-I-S-T-Y-N-B-U-R-T-C. That's K-R-I-S-T-Y-N-B-U-R-T-T. So, uh, there was one thing I didn't want to, I didn't want to make you sad, you know, in front of Kristen, but, uh, there was one other person passed away this week. Uh, that was very sad. Uh, veteran actor Bernard, uh, Fox 
and you remember him. I know you do. Dr. Bombay from Bewitched. Uh, uh, he's been a blessing. He's been in everything. I mean, from the Danny uh, K show, what, what the hell was it? And uh, Nash. I mean, this man's been in everything. Uh, he was like 90 years, years old, right? 89. 89. 89. 89. Yeah, yeah. yeah. See, something like that yeah. I can't get as upset about. Like, no, I know. I, I understand. But, I mean, you know, still, you know, it's sad that he passed away. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So, yeah. It's uh, an iconic, legendary NBA announcer died today. Lost the battle of cancer. Oh, like, yeah, I mean, you know, another. And yet, somehow, Kanye West is still alive. Um, and meeting with Donald Trump, what was the point of that? I, you know, I know the I, I bugger's nuts now. <laughs> Which one? Bitching, pissing, and moaning. All these people that were bitching, pissing, and moaning about how before, you know. It, it look, I, I wasn't, I wasn't, you know, enthused that that he was running for president either. Uh, you know, neither was I enthused about Hillary Clinton. <laughs> we were screwed one way or the other, but. All of this crap didn't start until you know about him being being sexist and all this other until after he started running for president. The man was you sure about TV. that? Not really, but no. What I'm saying is most of the stuff, the the really bad crap comes out after he runs for president. Seriously, double standard. I mean, a lot of bad stuff came out beforehand. Well, not so much. <laughs> not that, you know, all the, yeah, the crap with him, you know, uh, bankrupt and all that other stuff. But all of this that he's, uh, you know, sexually abusing women and all that, didn't come out until after he ran for president or like maybe a couple months before, you know, the end of the thing. Yeah, yeah. It was, I mean, it was very close to, yeah, the actual election. Yeah. So what I'm saying is, but the man's worth billions. You know he is, and you know who he is when this stuff is going on. You wouldn't sue him to get some of that money if he actually did this to you? Come on. You're going to wait until he's coming out for president? And and not like when he first starts running, you know, to say, hey, this guy should not even be running. He's sexually abused, whatever the case. And if it happened, I feel for him. But you're going to wait until, like, two weeks before the election to come out? Really? So some of that stuff is just double standard crap. Yeah, I, I mean, it's all. I'm not going to, you know, I'm not one way or the other. But. You see, uh, uh, Galileo got hacked by uh, one of the yeah. Red House Pepper's wives. Yeah, uh, the drummer, Chad Smith, his wife physically yeah. attacked Scott Payo <laughs> for supporting Trump. Is that what it was? Mm-hmm. Yeah. She kept, like, yelling at him and trying to attack him and, and kept saying, you know, that that uh, line that Trump used to grab their, you know, their privates, grab their pussy. And kept screaming that. It, like, they were some like charity function or something. They were some charity function at a school. No, at a at a like yeah, a, yeah, yeah. not they a college, like an but a high school. school. Was it an elementary school? I thought it was high school, yeah. elementary school, something. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, come on. But which now? Which you one's the crazier one in that situation? They're insane. They're insane. These people, <laughs> these these ones that supported Hillary, were fucking nuts, man. I mean, can you they imagine are. if Scott Baio, if the other, if it went the other way around? Can you imagine Scott Baio like going at this at this girl? You know, you supported Hillary, you, uh, whatever. Come on, it's it's sick. Something going on. People are crazy. Yeah, Colts. The world's Colts. Freaking lost our mind. You know, I'm I'm getting really pissed off at my. And I'm gonna say my fucking computer. I think I really have to break down and buy a new laptop, and I I hate to have to do it. I mean, this thing is four years old. I think I guess I got my usage out of it, but anymore, I got to, like, restart it two, three times a day. Like, it'll run good for a few hours, and then it just starts slowing down. Like, right now, it's it's barely you know, one of the One of the things is, and, I, and I'm not going to say this is probably the only thing, but uh, one of the problems is, and, and especially with laptops, they get really hot. No matter if, even if it's, like, in sleep mode. Yeah. So once yeah. they start really heating up, you know, after a couple hours of use, they're gonna, they're gonna, it's gonna not be good for it. So yeah. that's why. That's one of the main reasons. But uh, yeah, I have, I have the same problem. I'm using uh, now. I have a regular laptop that I do all my eBay work on, all my stuff, but I don't go on the internet really with it. Right. So I'm trying to keep away from you know using it on the internet, uh, except for certain sites. But uh, I have one that I use that basically it has nothing on it. So if something happens and I get a virus, all I have to do is just, you know, send it back to factory settings, start all over again. But it doesn't matter. Right. Do I have so many files in this thing? Oh, I know. Well, that's why I took all of that stuff off. I put it on an external hard drive, and I keep it on that. And I don't even have anything yeah. on the computer anymore, you know, because it's so easy for these things to crash. Yeah. Like, I, I got to – I have an external hard drive. I got to find the freaking thing and start transferring more of the stuff off here and get it cleaned out, and I'm going to be buying a laptop this week. Yeah, I hate to I mean, fucking do it. I really do. I just bought a tablet a couple weeks ago, and yeah. uh, I, I just can't – I don't like using the freaking thing. I don't like using it. Dude, go to Walmart, man. They're selling computers there for like two hundred and fifty bucks. It's a, it's a laptop. Who cares how shitty it is? You're just using it for you know. You're not you're not uh, you know you're not hacking the world here. No, <laughs> it's a supercomputer. You know, go to Walmart. They got two seriously two hundred and fifty bucks. I got a nice HP laptop. Hmm. Yeah. I'm not going to do that possibly this weekend. You know, and get yourself, I mean, if it's, if you've got a good hard drive, external hard drive, that's cool, but get yourself a really good one. And that way you just keep the shit on there, and when you need a file, you plug it into your computer and you get it off. You know, that way that thing, it won't crash. You know what it is, too? When I try, and I can't, I, I, I think it's running. I thought I shut it off, but I think it's running now. It's freaking flash on my uh, Chrome. When I have that running on Chrome, it's like forget about it. Yeah. 
Well, you know, another thing really is, too, are you on Windows 10 now? Dude, you know, see, and that's another thing. I had, I had to um, buy this uh, special photo program for work. Right. Um, mm-hmm. So I bought it. It was like an Adobe, not a Photoshop, I forget what Lightroom it was called. So I bought yeah. this uh, program, and I had to upgrade to 10 to install it. I upgraded to 10 to install it, and the computer actually fucking ran like brand new. It ran great. But I couldn't print out all the stuff of readers. Like, it wouldn't let me, like, the options of sizes and all had changed. Like, I couldn't print out stuff properly no more. Yeah. Yeah, Windows. So I downgraded back to whatever I got, 7, I guess. That's why it's run. That's another reason it's running like shit. You're still on Windows 7. <laughs> yeah, I think that's what I got. Because that's what uh, mine, uh, this one here, the one I have that I'm using for the Internet and shit, when I take it back down to factory settings, it goes back to 7, uh, Windows 7. Then I have to upgrade to Windows 8. Gotcha. It makes me upgrade. Yeah, it makes me upgrade to Windows eight because it won't. That Windows seven basically is like crap. Won't use it anymore. So huh. I liked XP. I miss XP. It was so easy to use. Or maybe that, I don't even know what the hell I got. I forget. But yeah, it's it's you know, and some of these older computers, man, don't work well with fucking Windows ten. <laughs> Not you know. Uh, it's funny. My niece is calling me right now. There was a way I could flip her on and bring her on the air and surprise her. She'd be like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, she, she, would, she wouldn't be as happy with that. I don't think. <laughs> I should call her back on the air. No, don't do that to you. Why are you going to do that to her? <laughs> She's going to shoot you. Uh, too funny. Too freaking funny. Uh, um... So one thing I want I wanted to, you know, something that we always talk about a lot is eBay and auctions. And I'm sorry, I'll just I'm going to tease it. We'll talk about it later. Um, but I went to my actual first physical auction, Janetti, and I bought. And it was fun and everything. Oh, oh, dude! I I had like I had a blast. I, it's, I'm, a, I'm hooked. I'm addicted. You know, I'm like fucking oh. hook, line, and singer. Uh, yeah, oh, I, I'm, I'm there. Like, oh yeah, dude. Yeah. Okay. I went. Got got <laughs> what I got. Listed that stuff uh, on eBay the other day. I'm already ahead. I sold some things already. Yeah, we'll get more into it later on. Mm. When we got more time to talk. Good sales this week. Actually, the last two weeks had some good stuff. So yeah, we'll talk. Yeah, nice. Yeah, yeah. I, I love our little eBay talks. Sure. I was like so back in the whole eBay thing. <laughs> yeah, and I just you know. Uh, well, there you go. <laughs> Tell her you were going to bring her on the air. She'll stop. <laughs> oh yeah. Watch it. You'd be like, no! <laughs> ah, fuck. What? 
What? What a fucking bummer. Fuck. Uh-oh. What happened? She does um. She does a uh, a big like Christmas Eve party in her house. Mhm. And she just texted me. She hates to do it, but she's got to cancel the party due to family fighting on her uh, her husband's side. That's good. What the fuck? I was so looking forward to that fucking party. Family. Family fucks it all up, don't they? Mm. (laughs) Yeah, it it kind of makes me feel better, though, that it's not my actual family fucking it up, though, this time. (laughs) You know what I mean? Usually it's my family fucking it up. My side of the family is always usually the fuck up. It's, it's a lot better now. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I hate to see any family yeah. fighting anywhere. What are you going to do? Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, so uh, we're going to talk about that, you know, and I want to throw, throw a little plug out there before we take a quick commercial break, and I'm going to I want to tweet this out to her. Um, our friend Nat D from Mob Wives, uh, we had on months back um, she's doing uh, she's making freaking cheesecakes her and her mom are making these cheesecakes and, and they're selling them and they look amazing <laughs> <laughs> they look delicious and she's like constantly making them and it was funny because today she, there's like a new thing now on Instagram you can do Instagram live kind of like a Facebook live and uh, she literally was on there for an hour just taking people's questions and all. And she was telling a story of when she went to a strip club one time. She was talking about fake asses because somebody asked her if her ass was fake. And she was um, <laughs> she was saying how uh, her ass is not fake and how she went to um, the strip club one night and she was smacking this girl's ass and it was so hard and she asked her and it turned out her, her ass was fake. And then she was like, you can't have no chicken legs and a big uh, fake ass. It looks bad. It don't look right. You need to have thickness. <laughs> uh, too funny. So, yeah, so uh, if you're in the Philly area and you want a, a good cheesecake, because I think I'm actually going to hit her up for a cheesecake. Um, I think she's charging like 25 bucks a pop or something for cheesecake. Uh, I wonder yeah. if she does like chocolate chip ones. Yeah. So let me uh get my little tweet out here. Get that. Come back here. All right, let's uh let's take our first commercial break and uh hopefully Mr. Curtin will be calling in any minute and uh we'll get him squared away, we'll get him on and we're gonna have some fun with the quintessential stud muffin himself. So everybody, stay tuned. We'll be back in three. This is Big Ed. This is Big Dad Rich of the Texas Hippie Coalition. I'm doing this under complete duress and at gunpoint. You're listening to Totally Driven Radio. Now send them the money. Attention business owners, website owners, event promoters, or anyone looking to promote your product. The Totally Driven Entertainment Radio Network is the perfect way to spread the word of your business around the world. 
That's right. You can advertise at our network and be played on all of our shows at rates that are so cheap. It's a no-brainer. For more information, contact Bay Ragney at bayragney at gmail.com. To keep your business driven, stay driven with Totally Driven Entertainment. Are you a fan of Sherlock Holmes? Letters from Holmes offers unique, one-of-a-kind letters from the world-famous detective himself. Handwritten on 8.5-inch by 11-inch aged parchment paper and using smudge-free ink to produce original, high-quality letters that fans will treasure for years to come. Each letter is handcrafted and written from the perspective of Sherlock Holmes, mimicking Holmes's native tongue and embracing many of the famous detective's quirks, quips, insults and peculiarities. Order a love letter, birthday greeting, personal correspondence or more only at www.etsy.com forward slash shop forward slash letters from homes. For $5 today, you can buy a wealth of things. Gas for your car, rent a movie for the family, a few slices of pizza. $5 still takes you a long ways. But did you know that $5 can buy your child a bag of heroin in the streets? That's right. For only $5, your son or daughter can buy some of the cheapest and purest dope in the country. Be aware of the lies. Be aware of the stealing. Be aware that's all it takes to kill your child. $5. This message was brought to you by Casey's Cause, a group of parents located in southern Chester County out to save your child's life. Come join us today at www.caseyscause.com. And remember, $5 is all it takes. Casey's Cause www.caseyscalls.com Looking for that perfect gift for your girlfriend? Then look no further than Teddy Scares. Teddy Scares are available in a variety of styles, sizes, and prices for all your shopping needs. Teddy Scares are a mix of cute and creepy to make a great gift for almost any age. Board up your windows, lock your doors, and log on to teddyscares.com. And be sure to become our friends at facebook.com slash teddyscares. Calling all comic book fans. Do you collect comics? Did you ever collect comics? Do you think your children might like reading comic books? Do you even know they still print real, paper, non-digital comic books? Well, then visit the Pirates of Ontario Street Comics in Philadelphia. We have a massive collection of comic books, action figures, trading cards, and much more. We have one of the largest stocks of back-issue comics in the area. We bag and board every new comic book at no extra charge. Our store is voted the best comic book shop in the 2013 PHL 17 Hot List Contest. Part of the movie Unbreakable is filmed in our store. We are open seven days a week. Ontario Street Comics is located at 2235 East Ontario Street in the Port Richmond section of Philly. Our phone number is 215-288-7338. Type in the words Ontario Comics Philadelphia to check out our Wacky Stores page on Facebook. Yo, monkeys, it's me, DDP. And you, well, you monkey, you're listening to Totally Driven Radio. And that's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. Bang! All right, welcome back to the radio. Bay Ragging here alongside with Mr. Jimmy Gennetti. Waiting for Mr. Gertner calling. We'll be calling in any second. Um, yeah. <laughs> My messenger's going off like crazy. Mm. Um, so, yeah. So, all right. So, we were talking what? Cheesecakes. We talked fake asses. We touched mm. on uh, we touched on auctions. Uh, we got Gertner calling in. 
I just got to see Joel, too, a couple weeks ago. It was good to see him. Something I really want to do with Joel, though, like I, I've not, we didn't, I haven't had like the full chance to do, and I think I really, uh, next time he comes down to Philly, um, is to go eat with, with Mr. Joel Gerger. He's all about eating. Mm. Mm, yeah. Mm. I think that'd be a, a good thing. You can take them to all your your great spots. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. Waiting for you to come up too. Yeah. Yeah. That takes a while. <laughs> So we can go back to Chicken and Pete and get Pepsi. Hey, no. Stop that. <laughs> go through this again. Through this again. Come on, that I was had fun. somebody try that the other day, too. Denny's. Try what? No, was it Denny's or IHOP? Denny's or IHOP or something like that. I don't remember where I went. But I asked him for a IHOP is a, is and a they, Pepsi establishment. Okay, so yeah, IHOP. Denny's, I think, has Coke. So I went to IHOP, and, and I asked them, I said Coke. And they didn't say anything. Normally, the person will say, oh, it was Pepsi? No. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, they didn't. And yeah, I could tell. As soon as I said that, I was like, that ain't Coke. The girl says, no, it's Pepsi. I'm like, I don't want that. <laughs> That's Ice funny. <laughs> See, now me, like, if I go to a place, and I know it's not Pepsi. I instantly know I'm drinking. Uh, I'm I'm drinking beer. <laughs> That's like my yeah. next go-to. It, it is if there's none of that, you know, then it's got to go to beer. So let's let's see what yeah. you guys do. Let's let's welcome to the show to Television Radio, the one, the only, the quintessential Slug Muffin himself, Mr. Joel Gerger. Well, well, well. Well, what's up, guys? Uh, Joel, you know, I I, I said this earlier. I'm on Totally Driven Radio. This is so awesome. (laughs) (laughs) I I can see it in my my head of you jumping up and down and waving those hands. (laughs) Yeah, doing my sloppy arm happy dance. Yeah, man. There you go. Pleasant Thursday night, gentlemen. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. So uh, here's a question for you, and this is what we were just discussing. Now. Mr. Gennetti is a very uh, um, dedicated Coca-Cola person. Okay. Meanwhile, I'm a, de- I'm a very dedicated Pepsi person. Which, uh, right. which persuasion of cola do you prefer? Oh, man. Gosh, I would have to be contrarian and go with something like Dr. Pepper or Snapple or just, just to keep the conversation going. Because you guys have probably done the whole Coke versus Pepsi, 1980s, rock and roll with soda wars, you know, I can't take it anymore. You got, all that Gaga has probably been done. So if I'm going to interject into the conversation, and, you know, it's an A and B conversation already, so if I'm going to become C, then, then it would probably have to be some sort of off-brand. But I'm not sure. <laughs> I, I can tell you uh, this much. I once, I once drove a Denny's waitress crazy 
in case this is a story that I haven't told on a previous Totally Driven Radio appearance, or even if I've told it already and, you know, maybe we have a new listener or two, they might appreciate this. You know, every once in a while, we would go to Denny's for dinner when everybody else in the world is having breakfast. It's like 5.45 in the morning because that's the Dudleyville promos weren't actually, and I'm going to, I know it's like a lot of people, it's December. They're just processing that Santa Claus isn't real, doesn't exist, whatever. So this might be too much. It might be overload. But if you've come this far, like if already you've heard that Santa Claus isn't real and you're still listening, then just like grab the arms of your chair and process this. Dudleyville was actually under the trestle right by Swanson and Rittner outside the building in South Philadelphia. And the way we got that perfect golden hour hue of darkness was to do it just before sunrise go last on the entire roster and shoot our promos at like 5.15 in the morning. So if I had a dollar for every time I've seen Sunrise eating dinner through a Denny's window, but I digress. So, we're no, listen, I regret nothing. I'd do it all again. So, we, so we're at Denny's. Now, this one waitress, right, like I'm not into it, not for dinner. Not at 5.45 in the morning. I'd rather be having breakfast at Denny's, obviously, at 5.45 in the morning. But she's not even into being there. And she's there professionally. It's her job. Like, now I'm off the clock. And I'm in her house. Now I'm a tourist. So I'm not trying to be an asshole. I'm just trying to get fed. So she asked me as one of the last things that she's, you know, she's like, what do you want to drink? Now, I always have the beverage selection scoped out in case the waitress turns out to be a duck. So when she asks me what I want to drink, I say, um, do you have orange slice? No. <laughs> do you have Welch's grape? No. Do you have Fresca? No. Now the Philly's coming out of her. Now I can tell, like, what block from what part of Philly because I can hear the accent, you know what I mean? Because she's really, she's, now she's treating me like family. She's like, now. I'm like, all right. I'm like, and I go through a litany, like a whole bill of goods, like a whole laundry list, everything. And then finally I go, do you have Lipton Brisk iced tea? And I can see her wipe away the beads of sweat from her brow and be so thankful that this journey, this quest, the worst part of her worst night ever on the job is coming to an end. And she says, yes, we have Lipton Brisk iced tea. And then I retort three minutes into this whole farce. I say, great, I'll have a water. (laughs) That used to get over with the boys like you wouldn't believe. I think even if I didn't have talent, which arguably I may or may not, I think I would have stayed on the active roster just for being able to whip one of those out every three months. I wouldn't have had a good poker face on that. I'd have belly laughed on that one right in front of her. Aside from stuff like that, I'm a real decent guy. Depends who you ask. <laughs> Don't ask my wife too often. Nine times out of ten, no agreements there. But beyond that, I'm a pretty okay person. Hey, what's going on with all of your Thursday nights? Are you guys good? Yeah. 
every Thursday we're here. We're here live. Uh, you know, we're having a blast. We're being totally driven. We're talking to all types of people. <laughs> we're learning about things. Like earlier we were talking, and uh, we have a, a girl, Kristen Berger, calls in every week. And uh, in the first hour, it gives us all the Hollywood news out there from Hollywood, the scoop and the dirt and all. And we had a very in-depth discussion about Scientology early, earlier. I mean, that wow. might have been a, something of interest that you would have, uh, like, really liked to have joined in on. I am interested in that. I've watched um, the Leah Remini special from a few months ago or whatever it was, a few weeks ago. And then I've watched, like, yes. maybe one episode or two episodes, whatever's aired so far from the weekly deal. Yeah, that's exactly yeah, what we were talking about. It, it, that whole scenario, that whole just situation, it's just insane. That's the only religion that takes out a Super Bowl ad. <laughs> that's true. That's actual trivia. Last year, that was the only major organized religion that actually paid whatever it is these days, the $3 million, $4 million, um, to get a Super Bowl ad. Wow. <laughs> Think about that for a second. What if they made that money? Prior to that, you got to go back to like the year 2000, WWF, I think. Those are the only religions that people would ever say they subscribe to that have ever had Super Bowl ads. Scientology and the World Wrestling Federation. <laughs> uh, the scary part is I could picture some wrestling fans being Scientologists. I subscribe out of Scientology and the World Wrestling Federation to one of those as a religion. I will not say which one, and I will not confirm or deny. <laughs> uh, oh man, Joel's on fire! Which uh, I got to I got to see Joel a couple of weeks ago. He did a now well, that was your first stand up show, right? It was. God bless. There were um, a lot of people there in Philly that night, like in Philadelphia, a couple million people. In the room with us, there were only about like a dozen people. But out of the couple million, thank God, we got a dozen. If it was a town like San Francisco that only had an actual, you know, in-city population of like 800,000, it might have just been like me and they, and it might have been something more similar to this. It was kind of like this. It was about 75% as funny. <laughs> but it was a fun time. It, it was a fun yeah. time, and uh, and uh, the thing I wanted to know because, like, when I first heard about it, I thought to myself, like, I I could totally see this. Like, I can totally see Joel doing stand up, and I was like, I wonder if that was something like that was ever in the back of your mind early on, like when your uh, character really started taking off. Did you ever, or even before that, ever? think or have aspirations to do that? Kind of. That was the foundation behind it. What really, like, sealed the deal and solidified it is I work from home. You know, I'm a freelance, like, independent contractor, 1099 guy, whatever. So Mm -hmm. my wife is not. She works in the city. She's got a job, you know, in a building, her own desk, everything like that. You know, real professional-like. So... One day I was saying to myself, you know how I walk around my apartment and, like, every once in a while I'll see something on, like, cable news and it'll piss me off. And it pisses me off so much. It's so divisive. It's not something that you could put on Facebook. It's, like, maybe a topic that shouldn't go on Facebook. So I just kind of, like, hash it out. I just, like, get to business, just me, myself, and I. 
like, hey, between you, me, and the lamppost, except you is me, me is me, and the lamppost is my cat, and these four walls. And I figure, you know what, Joel? If this is what you're going to be doing 40 hours a week anyway unpaid, why don't you just do a stage show and pretend you're on stage in a venue that's charging admission? And then it's even better when you're actually on, you know what I mean? So it's like if you're going to do it, you know, I don't ass-ass anything. Bay and everybody at Totally Driven, I want you guys to know, especially because the name of the show is Totally Driven, I'm totally, I don't half-ass anything. I put my whole ass into everything I do. <laughs> oh. So, let, let's say assistant. Who, uh, who in the world of uh, stand-up comedy can we say uh, put an influence on Mr. Gertner? Oh, man. Gosh. Oh, man. George Carlin, Sam Kinison, Andrew Dice Clay, probably Bill Hicks, who I got into later, probably Mitch Hedberg, who I got into later. A little bit of dirty, a little bit of observational, a little bit of, you know, a little bit of genius. Not too much. People don't like to laugh at the person they perceive is the smartest guy in the room. Right. So, you know, I, I kind of try to, you know, I try to be self-deprecatory um, in case, you know, hopefully you've picked up on that. Um, or you think uh, I yes. hate myself. Either, either one's funny. Uh, one's healthy, one's unhealthy as a comic. But um, I'm trying to figure out which is which. But I have been told um, at, at the class I take. But, um no, man, just, you know, just, you know, you got to learn from the greats, you know, just like I did with wrestling and with wrestling managers and studying guys like Keenan and Cornette and Paul E and Jimmy Hart and all the great managers and just like studying Finkel for the ring announcing. You have to just learn from the ones that came before you, emulate them without imitating them. And, you know, it's just like wrestling, you know. You see, you see the sky because you've stood on the shoulders of giants. Right. Yeah. Now, with the wrestling, did you ever want to actually be a wrestler? No. no? I, I knew I couldn't. I mean, I think because that's, that's maybe one aspect, one out of maybe one in my life where I've been a complete realist. And I just, I took one class once at a wrestling school and I don't think I needed to, to get the, it's kind of like I didn't need to read the fable to know the moral, but I took the class right. anyway. And, um, yeah. And quickly realized that that's not where my bread was buttered, but huh. where it was helpful was like for me as a color commentator and analyst now where taking the class was helpful is like, let's say I'm calling Sabu doing this crazy aerial move, right? The thick moonsault right. to the outside or whatever it is that he's doing at age 50 that the person sitting home watching, you know, is half Sabu's age and unable to do. What I'm able to mm-hmm. do is not only put that over, but go deeper one level and say, and if you've never gone to wrestling school or even stepped into a wrestling ring, just know that that moonsault is nothing because not only couldn't you do something like that, but you wouldn't be able to run the ropes without pain, 
without soreness and without welts the next day. And I go into all the different things like taking back bumps, running the ropes, and everything I did in the simple first two hours, the first, last, and only two hours that I ever trained. (laughs) I went through how all that put me out of being a wrestler, and I explained that before you can ever dream of doing what Sabu just did, understand that you could not do any singular thing that you've seen Sabu do in the last 12 minutes. So from that point, it it was great for me to take the class. Other than that, it was a complete waste of two hours of my life. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's funny, too, because I had totally forgotten, um, and you had mentioned it at night stand-up, that, like, like I, I totally forgot the whole like ring announcing thing for a second. Like as soon as you said it, like I was like, oh yeah, yeah. But then I forgot that you used to do like all the like the, the luchador matches. You used to call them, and you you would let, you like knew all the different languages and all. I was like, how the hell does he know all this stuff? Like you were like a whole unknown thing. Like it just like blossomed into this like incredible persona. I think I have the. Um the great honor of being the only person um, in ECW and maybe in the world of pro wrestling who has done straight-up ring announcing, like neutral, you know, Howard Finkel-style ring announcing, mm-hmm. heel, heel ring announcing, like I did for the Dudleys, for Shane, for Taz, uh, FBI, right? Axel and Devon, heel ring announcing. Spanish-language ring announcing, for Lucha, in Lucha style, like Arena Mexico style. Japanese language ring announcing, because when Damien came in, Damian Space Space Space, he came in as a Japanese talent born in Mexico. So he came in off of, like, um, War or FMW or the tours that he had been on previous to ECW. So he got a Japanese and Spanish intro. So that's four... And then the last style to, to be all five fingers on the hand is almost like um, impersonation, um, like impression ring announcing. Because there was one day um, at a spot town in Louisiana, we didn't have a ring announcer. And usually if we didn't have a ring announcer, we found a ring announcer. So we couldn't find a ring announcer. So I was working with the Dudleys in the main event on that on that shot, on that four shot, on that swing. So we couldn't find a ring announcer at all. So I volunteered and said, if you can't find anybody, you know, we'll figure out a way, I'll do it. And they're like, but you, how are you going to do Because I was managing the Dudley. They were like, um, you can do it behind the curtain. I was like, okay, I'll do it behind the curtain. Uh-huh. Can I have a little fun with it? They're like, yeah, do it behind the curtain. Nobody knows it's you, so have a little fun with it. So what have a little fun with it meant to me was I did one match as Finkel. I did one match as Gary Capetta. I did one match. There was one match that Tommy Dreamer was in where I put him over to the moon, sun, and stars and back until every last cow came home. I said that Tommy Dreamer in his off time helped orphan children. He was working on a cure for cancer. Like the same way I would load up the Dudley's intros with all the heel shit, I loaded up Tommy Dreamer's intro 
like he was a saint, like he was God's last gift to humanity. Um, so, yeah, so I, I think I have the distinction of being the only person that's ever done those five different styles of ring, an- ring announcing. Now, the languages, did you know the language, any of the language before uh, you did those calls, or did you actually sit and learn them to call them that way? No, I, I knew them. I um, I took Spanish from seventh grade on in school and then also freshman year of college. So I took six years of Spanish, and while I was taking it, I was also watching Triple uh, A and CMLL Lucha Libre on Galavision. Okay. So I was learning, I was listening to the actual Mexican ring intros while I was actually learning the language itself at school. So, you know, the one helped me with, you know, patterning it and knowing what to say, how, and when. And then actually learning Spanish helped me have a decent accent to where it sounded authentic enough that one night I was leaving the ECW arena and one of the South Philly local ECW loyal faith screamed out to me, Hey, Boricua! And I screamed back, Nah, just took it in high school! Okay, so what's, uh, what's uh, Boricua mean? Boricua is Puerto Rican. It's essentially um, a greeting call. Um, it just means Puerto Rican. It's kind of like a portmanteau hybridization of the words that make up Puerto Rican in kind of Spanish slang. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like Spanish. Uh, but you were accepted then. So that's a good thing. Yes, I was a member of the tribe. That's go. the goal in life is yeah. to be the member of as many tribes as possible so that you have as many friends and acquaintances as possible while at the same time not ever wanting to belong to any club that will have you. Groucho Marx style. That's, yeah, uh, you know, that's it's a delicate true. dance, man. It's a real, it's, yeah, it's a thin line, man. It's a fine balance, but, yeah. Too funny. Now, the Japanese, I mean, how the hell how did you learn that? The Japanese, I also took in school. I took it um, freshman and sophomore year of college. And the original plan with that was to do the second half of junior year as a study abroad and to live and learn and hopefully love in Tokyo. Uh, The loving would have probably happened in Rapungi, where I think there's a lot of Japanese chicks that love American dudes. But but the living and the learning would have happened at, like, some university in Tokyo. And uh, never happened. Never happened. And after junior year, I... uh, Started with ECW full time. I ran off and joined the circus. So who needs Rapungi? Yeah. <laughs> right. It, so one was zero. Yeah. Now, did, did, I guess you presented that to Paul that you'd be able to uh, introduce those matches that way. Yeah. Yeah. That's wild. Yeah, and that was good. That is wild. Because you know, that, that's, that's, that's what it's all about, any kind of labor relationship, I think, wrestling or otherwise. You just kind of, hey, I can do this trick, and then, you know, great, I'm employed for another 13 weeks, guaranteed. And then you keep going. <laughs> until... <laughs> uh, now, the whole uh, quintessential spud muffin, that is that persona. Um, yeah. 
took shape and, and, and formed and uh, just truly became and uh, a huge part of ECW. I mean, every show was you coming out and doing your thing and then later uh, becoming part of the Dudleys and everything else. It just took over. Like, I, I you know, I was blown away by it. Well, Thank you for that. Just... God, that sounds better coming from you. See, if I would have said verbatim what you just said, it would sound cocky. But from you, it sounded perfect. Thank you. Yeah, I, 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 well, I can put it this way. Like, you know, I, I was there um, 95 and 96 for in the extreme part of it. And those, you know, that year and a half I was there, I feel like I was part of the best time of ECW with all the, the, the top things. So I got to see you really come from nothing and then form. And then after I had left, I got to watch you now on a screen do what you did and really had me marking out for you because, it, it, like I said, for me, you came from nothing. You came from a person who was hanging around, and then next thing you know, you're starting to do a ring announcing. I remember sitting there. At, I used to sit at that freaking monitor every time at the arena, and I was glued to that screen, and I was always trying to sit next to, like, Foley or somebody so I can hear what they were saying as they were watching everything and learn stuff from them. But I remember you calling that Lucy Max and being like, how the fuck did he do that? Like, where did that come from, you know? So it was just like, that, uh, you know, I, I got to watch you evolve thank and you. grow and very proud of you. I mean, I was just very happy for you. Thank you, man. Yeah, it's weird. A lot of the, um, a lot of the changes in, like, my obligation to the company and what position I was in, a lot of that, was just as much a step forward as it really also was pragmatically a step sideways, just something else for me to do because I needed to be doing something new. You know, when I went from being, you know, I started as timekeeper, part-time ring announcer. And then when Bob Ortiz took a sabbatical, I became the primary ring announcer at one point for a few months. And then he came back. Now, when he came Mm -hmm. back, there was no argument. He was the primary ring announcer again. That was expected by everybody, including me. So then there was a step sideways, and the step sideways was doing some of the heel ring announcing and, and doing character development and everything else. And really, even in going from timekeeper to part-time ring announcer, heel ring announcer, foreign language ring announcer, and then manager of the Dudleys, and then color commentator, in almost every step of the way, maybe every step of the way, it was just as much a step forward as it was a step sideways. Because me going from working with the Dudleys to co-hosting TNN, excuse me, was because the Dudleys signed a contract with the WWF. So right. they were leaving, so I couldn't work with them anymore. At the same time, we were starting on TNN three months later. So, And I happened to live local to the studio, relatively, like driving distance, so I became the co-host of Tiana. Wow. Now, did yep. you ever have have talks with uh, WWE to go up there with them or to do any work with them? During ECW, like to leave ECW? At any time. While in ECW or after ECW closed or 
After it closed, I did the one show. I did the first ECW reunion show, the first of the two one-night stands in 05, the one that did not roll into um, ECW on Sci-Fi. So right. I was on contract to WWE for the weekend, for Saturday, Sunday, as a freelancer um, for that. Prior to that, um, there was at one point, right around the time, give or take, that the Dudleys left right around kind of, I think 99 ish, 98, 99, 2000, right in there. Um, there was some interest and I spoke with somebody um, within WWE. I spoke with Terry Taylor um, about, um, you know, just different stuff like um, a creative idea that they had for me and, and money and stuff like that. Um, I was loyal to ECW. It wound up being something to think about. Um, it kind of slowly maybe was on the table at the time where TNN became a reality and was offered to me. I'm trying to think of the chronology. I'm trying to be as true and honest to what happened and remember all the different chronology because it was a crazy time in that kind of triangle, three-pronged war between WWF and WCW and us. Um, but yeah, long story short, they were interested. I was interested at the same time I was loyal to ECW and had the offer, I think before I either would or wouldn't accept long story short, it played out the way it played out. TNN happened. The Dudley's left. I was offered the TNN spot, which came with a three year guaranteed salary bi-weekly contract, uh, you know, nice. downside. Um, so, yeah. So, uh, so yeah, it played out the way it played out. No regrets. Um, you know, I, I would love to work again in a longer-term capacity going forward for WWE. Um, but everything just, you know, the same way like we were saying before, you know, some of the stuff that's a step forward is a step sideways. So the same yes. way it can be argued that part of the reason why I got the TNN gift was because I lived local. Who knows? Mm-hmm. I don't know this to be true or false, but if Cyrus lived in Connecticut and I lived in Canada, maybe he would have done TNN and I would have called the pay-per-views. You know what I mean? You never know how right. it right. out because there's the creative stuff that you can see on the surface, but then you have to skim the surface and there's all the business and logistics behind it. So when you take the business and logistics into account, there was interest on both ends at one time for WWE. I don't believe they ever pulled the interest. I don't believe I ever said no. I just think I organically became the co-host of ECW on TNN. Right. Still, I mean, that's still a huge honor. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Now, how about... um... As you started doing your your, uh, your poetry, we'll call it, um, and your your well well wells, and it's Joel, it's it is I, Joel, and your whole spiel, and then Gertner. I, I love that you call it poetry. This, Flattery will get you everywhere. It, you can bypass my Craigslist ad now and just let you know what I mean. You're, if you're calling it poetry, man, it's close enough to the weekend. Just come on over and, uh, gosh, that's a great compliment. <laughs> poetry, I mean, that's like. You know, only the classics, the the epics, the icons, only the legends create poetry. Everybody else, it's just like you know, dick jokes and limericks and like 
you know, <laughs> working blue and sex schlock and whatever else. But poetry, you know, that's reserved for like, you know, dice. Like we were talking about dice. Like Andrew Dice Clay does poetry. You know what I mean? Right. Other goons well, had a shot. Doctor Seuss did okay. But like to be put in like in, in that kind of echelon and caliber is like flattering as hell for just from you know some kid from Brooklyn that's trying to do good, you know. Uh, you know, nothing for nothing. I, mean, I was even thinking this too earlier, like when I put stuff together. I'm like, you should do in stand up a, a segment like how Dice would do his nursery rhymes. There's no reason why you can't do a, a segment for a few minutes of all those different, you know, poetry. Poetry time with Joel Gertner. There you go. That would be amazing. On like, like through what avenue though? Like on what, on what kind of show? On any show. You, you could do. Do you, you should do it like a daily poetry time with Joel Gertner on YouTube. That would be fun. That's an idea. And, you know how how long does one of them things last? Fifteen twenty seconds. You know what I mean? Just a little yeah. blurb for the day. Poetry of the day with Joel Gertner. That's an idea. I'm going to get on that. I like that. I like that. I've got a lot of poetry. I mean, I never deign to call it poetry. Like I said, I just call it whatever it is. It usually looks like chicken scratch on a notebook that's on my nightstand that I write at like 3.30 in the morning. If like I had like, you know, one of those, sometimes you eat dinner too late. You have like an indigestion, bad dream. You got to get up. You got to pee. Oh my God. You got to feed the cat now. So I don't actually call it poetry, but then if you're going to call it poetry and invite me onto your podcast as a guest, then now, you know, like I said, I don't like to try to get too cocky about my own material and my career, but if it's poetry, now I agree with you. I should go online, whether it's something that I can directly monetize or not. And I should just, absolutely. Poetry is not, here's the thing, this poet, all these things in the notebook, the poetry, this poetry is not going to tell itself. You know what I mean? Right. I've got to tell it. I mean, nothing for nothing. I have to be the best. I mean, it's got to come through me. People, I mean, then people have put together those uh, montage videos of you, you know, of doing those things. And how many thousands of views have they gotten? That's crazy. And I think WWE has got an entire department devoted to taking stuff like that down. So that's the stuff that actually makes it through, too. Right. Yeah. That's cool. That's cool to think about. Not that I've ever really thought about it, right? Like, so any kind of level, like... Oh man, I mean, and, and that stuff violates copyright law. Like somebody's getting paid somewhere to even take stuff like that down. Like I never think about stuff like that. That would be very, very arrogant. But, um, but yeah, but it is true though. Yeah, it is true. You no, know what they say in Texas? The one... In Texas, they What's say that? it ain't bragging it's fat. It's not bragging it's what? It ain't brag if it's fat. There you go. But they also say everything's bigger. They also say everything's bigger in Texas. And I was with a woman one time down there touring, and she told me that her husband's was not bigger. So, <laughs> so you can't believe everything you hear from those Texans. But whatever, neither here nor there. So, and that was another question I actually had was, you know, most of your your poetry was very sexual. Were you yeah. starting to get a lot of uh, a lot of as they are doing in the wrestling business, the racks? Were they coming out of the woodwork trying to pursue you to find out if this uh, poetry of yours was true? For me? Yes. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. Of course. Of course. Your acting Well, I mean, me? you know, listen, not not all of that should be attributed to my winning personality and, you know, cherubic smile, um, charisma, sense of humor, you know, good nature. Not all of that, you know, I mean, you can't pin all of it on that. A lot of it's the fact that sometimes young women just, they are, they kind of gravitate or magnetize to um, people who are on television, I think, is an aspect of it, you know. The, some some of it's fame base, you know what I mean? And I oh, would absolutely. use that absolutely. sometimes to, to my, yeah, like sometimes I'd be in the bar and like I'd go up to an attractive woman who I could see was, you know, interested and I would say, have you ever done a little television? And she might be like, well, no. And I'd be like, ah, oh, have you ever thought of letting a little television do you? <laughs> you know, that works every once in a while. You know what I mean? Um, uh, you know, funny. sometimes some of the best pickup lines are not Gert Persons, you know? Um, yeah. It's crazy. Crazy. Yeah. The good old days. Yeah. The good old days. So now, now here's something that always like intrigues me about, um, actually about anybody that gets into the situation where they're having, um, uh, no matter what the level of fame is, uh, like you said, you know, you had a three-year contract, TNN, you know, stuff like that, and then when ECW, you know, goes under and closes, I mean, that was your livelihood, that was your job. What what goes through your mind now, like, oh. Fuck! Like, what am I going to do? Yeah, there's a there's um there's somewhere in between a little bit of that and a lot of that. Um, I would be remiss. I'm gonna get back to this. I promise you. I would be remiss mm-hmm. if I didn't put a bow on uh on our last segment that just finished up. Okay. A very very wise wrestling veteran who came in and and did a while with us, like a year or what, however long it was who will remain nameless. One of the okay. things I learned from him that was super important is that when you're opening your hotel room door and there's a gaggle of like 10 or 15 beautiful young women, mm-hmm. the appropriate way to address that situation is, all right, listen, none of y'all can be first, but one of y'all can be next. That's what you're supposed to say. Just so you know. I, I'm just by the way you said that, I'm going to say Tommy Rich. It could be. <laughs> it could be. I, I'm neither going to confirm nor deny. Just by the southern draw, I'm not going to confirm I, nor saying. deny. But um, it's quite possible. But well, yeah, fine. when ECW closed down, um, you know, it was uh, it was a shock because um, it was my you know it was my dream job. So it's kind of like, you know, you just have to figure out, um, you know, where, where next, where from here, you know, I think the Latin is best in Latin. It's quo vadimus. And it's like, all right, where are we going? Um, so that's it. That's kind of the situation you're in. You know, you go from five and a quarter years of status quo to quo vadimus and it's, uh, right. You know, it, it gives you time to kind of think. And uh, it's very different from, you know, at that point towards the end, instead of doing, like, single shots 
like maybe just ECW arena or some weekends were like a Friday, Saturday towards mm-hmm. the end in like 2000, we were doing like triple shots and quadruple shots. Right. So we were having like on average, like, you know, about 15 shows a month. So it was, you know, coming to every other day, even though it wasn't formatted as every other day, but it was, you know, it was a lot of shows a month. Um, so then, right. you know, what happened towards the end was, um, I remember at that last pay-per-view, the January 2001 pay-per-view, um, you know, we would always talk about scheduling kind of, you know, what day, what time, maybe, uh, which was always flexible. It got changed a lot, like everything did. But, um, you know, we would talk about scheduling for production at the studio um, in Westchester, New York. And because uh, I know you guys, there's also a Westchester in Pennsylvania. And, um, yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, Paul caught me coming out of the, the war truck, the production truck, and I was coming down the steps of it. He was about to be going up the steps of it. And so we crossed paths, and I was going back into the building. He was going into the truck, and we were talking about production. I may have asked about production, or he may have brought it up. I don't remember that. But what I do remember is he was like, well, there's going to be uh, – I'll get back to you on that. There's going to be a little bit of downtime. And that was, you know – that was different, you know, because we did production every week because we had TNN every week. Right. At that point, I think we didn't have TNN anymore. I think I was joining Joey on hardcore TV and syndication. Um, but anyway, that week, you know, coming out of the truck, he had said that, you know, we weren't doing necessarily um, production work that week. Um, and so, yeah, you know, you, you know, things just started to happen in a certain, you know, in a certain direction. Uh, you know, with a certain picked up frequency and, um, and you kind of, we all saw um, at different times um, because we all did different things for the company. uh, We all kind of saw the writing on the wall, so to speak at different times. Uh, And it's, you know, but you just, you have to adapt and adjust and, you know, it's like anything in everything in wrestling is like everything in life. And in life, you know, there's going to be an obstacle and it's a zero-sum game, you know what I mean? It's binary. You never really ever share the spotlight with an obstacle. You're either going to get the better of it or it's going to get the better of you. So you just you do what you have to do in life. You just um, adapt and adjust. Right. Hmm. Now let me, um, let me get Mr. Gennetti involved here because he, he is sitting there. Uh, Gennetti, I know you had some questions for uh, Joel. Yeah, well, yeah, uh, sort of question. Uh, I saw something, and, and they can attest. I, I really don't pay attention to Facebook all that often. Um, you know, my news feed is, is such filled with crap anymore. It's sad. Uh, but I did see something that you were uh, that you posted up uh, about the very first uh, title of ECW coming. You know, the 25th anniversary is coming. Yeah. Late April, yeah. But I, I, I be, sat there. Are you, I you're going to be there, yeah. Both of you guys are going to be there, yeah. Well, yeah, absolutely. But what I was more wondering is, rather than to celebrate the first uh, ECW title uh, a couple, well, a month earlier, the 25th of February is a Saturday night. It's 25 years to the day of the very first yeah. ECW. 
Is this something that happened at like Michael Jack's sports bar? Yeah. That was the yeah. Is, it, is this is this like the first ever match in, in Eastern Championship Wrestling in the record yes. books where yes. Jimmy Janetti went to a draw with Stevie Richards? Absolutely. <laughs> I've so, seen I, people say I've seen people say that it was twenty minutes. I've seen like I've seen a couple of different times. Do you remember? Because now that I have you on as a guest, I figure I'll turn the tables here. Ah, and ask you. How long was that match? The match. Uh, I'll be honest with you. It was supposed to go twenty minutes. That was the that was the, the that was the Broadway. If if it didn't, it was maybe nineteen. But yeah, and, and Stevie complains that I beat him up the entire match. <laughs> do you want to hear something that is? Do you want to hear something that's completely freaky? Yeah. All right. Three hours ago, between like six thirty and seven thirty p.m. I was taping an episode of my podcast, the 69-minute Eargasm, and my guest was Stevie Richards. We were talking about his wrestling career and how he came into the business, and he mentioned starting out in TWA and then very quickly moving over to ECW and having his first match at MJ Sports Bar. Can you imagine that? Three hours ago on my podcast. Very funny. We, we, As a matter of fact, Janetti used to train. He he uh, was training me and Richards together. That's amazing. Yeah, Stevie yeah. told a lot when, of cool when, stories. He he was talking about working with uh, Crybaby Waldo and uh, oh, yeah. lots of cool stuff. Yeah, it was. We had a great time then. And see, unfortunately, a lot of times when they when people talk about ECW. And they've just recently started even getting back um, to where, like, the original champions, Jimmy Snooker, Johnny Hotbody, and so forth, yep. are being now canonized into uh, the ECW deal. But they don't go back, you know, even further to the start of it. Uh, and most of those stories, a lot of that stuff is just not talked about. Um, yeah. You know, like, Little Guido was, was a, an ECW original. Yep. Before, yeah. before Little Guido. You know, he went in as Damien Stowe. Yep. Uh, yep. And so, he's one of the know, first people that I met coming into the business because we used to both do shows at the Lower East Side Wrestling Gym in Manhattan, which was kind right. of my home base, my school, my gym. Like when I talked about earlier how I took that one wrestling class and then realized it wasn't for me, it was at the Lower East Side Wrestling School, and that's where, you know, they had a once-monthly show it was almost more like a recital. You know, it was really kind of bootleg. It was really kind of for friends and family of the workers to get, you know, some practice in. And then, you know, whoever else from the neighborhood would be willing to come and give like a 5 or $10 donation or whatever. And, um, and Guido was already on TV doing stuff like ECW, IWCCW. Uh, Jason Knight is another example. He was on TV uh, doing enhancement at WCW, you know, working against Sting one day, and then, you know, popping into, you know, the ground floor of this housing project and, and, and doing this, you know, kind of bootleg show with just, you know, kind of students and, you know, indie up-and-comers and stuff. So, yeah, so that's where I know, you know, Guido from, you know, over 25 years now. But, yeah, a lot of people would be surprised at who – were ECW originals and came through ECW. 
Right. Yeah, it's you know, I mean, even it, you know, before uh, before Taz himself, before Taz was three letters in one man, it was you know, he just had maniac. He was the tag That's team right. champion. That's right. They don't talk about that. That you know, they don't they don't really run with those things. A lot of those shows, you know, I think I have videos somewhere, and I, I swear if I ever if I ever get the chance to dig them out, I'm going to put them on DVD. Uh, but some of those original shows, uh, you know, the commentary we we missed. We would have loved to have had you as a commentator. What we had was uh, Jay Sully and Stevie Wonderful, and that was yep. just terrible. Yeah. <laughs> that was just terrible. Well, well, here you go. Chinetti uh, was the very first match in ECW history. I was the very first ECW TV match in history. Wow. That's cool. Before there was Chubby Dudley, there was the Hell Rider. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. The Hell Riders versus the Super Destroyers, I think, was the first match on TV. Very nice. Very nice. I love, I love that. And seeing, yeah, no, we never get to talk about the 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 dragon never never get to talk about that that was a great story oh yeah don't don't, don't hit don't kill the dragon or what was it don't hit the dragon yeah if you hit if you hit the dragon you're not getting paid and we are never coming back here again there was a club down on Delaware Avenue in Philly Joel it was where I, I don't know if you ever heard of like the, we should do these shows outside there. And they had like a, like a a luau type setup thing with the huts and all that. And uh, there was the one where they did the pinfalls anywhere in the building, and Snooka pinned somebody in the in like the pool. Nice. But they had an inside mm-hmm. to it. I, I think it was like raining or the weather was cold at that point, and we were inside and it was a nightclub and it had like this giant. Dragon head, but the way the club was, the dragon head was literally going into the one side of the ring, so you couldn't run the one side of the ropes. <laughs> mm-hmm. And cool. what was the first? And, and it wasn't now. It wasn't at some point somebody killed the dragon. That was the terrible part. I forget who it was, but somebody ran into the dragon. That's awesome. I think it was called the Aztec Club. I forget what yeah. it was. Yeah. But, uh, but, let but, me, uh, but yeah, my point I, was that my point with all that was that uh, Stevie and I had talked, and, and there was there was somebody that was going to promote a match February 25th and was going to uh, have us have us have our rubber match. Nice, so to speak. So. Um, yeah, I heard you talking about that, and I was like, oh, "Well, you know, let's let's do an anniversary for the for the very first match. We should do that." Hell yeah, hell yeah. Well, we you know, there's going to be something going on. The details now are pretty limited, um, but yeah, something's going to be going on in late April to celebrate mm-hmm. what is, I guess, universally um, received as the anniversary of ECW. I think it it corresponds with, for whatever reason, like the third live event. Maybe that's right. like when the com- around the time that the company was actually like, you know, incorporated on paper or something. Like maybe the first two shows right. for wrestling creative purposes were done under the Eastern Championship Wrestling banner. But maybe it didn't, mm-hmm. you know, become a viable company. Whatever. So I guess in right. late April is when it started in ninety two, which means that late April coming up is twenty five years. 
in September I saw Todd Gordon at the convention at the arena. Um, and I, you know, I was just like, just looking at stuff and I was like, Hey, you know, the 25th anniversary of Eastern championship wrestling is coming up. He's like, yeah, when is it? I don't know. I was like, well, it's coming up because 92, so 92, <laughs> 17. I was like, I don't know exactly when it is. You, he's like, he kind of, you know, because it depends how you measure, right? Like, what's the anniversary? Let's just say. So we right. looked it up on Wikipedia, and it said, like, last week of April, like the 25th. I was like, April 25th. He's like, well, look it up on That's a calendar for the next year. So I looked it up. It's like a Tuesday. Yeah, it's midweek. I was like, I don't right. know, God, it's, you know, whatever it is, Tuesday, Thursday. He's like, oh. I was like, I don't know, a weekend surrounding it. So I put up on Facebook, hey, who'd be into a 25th anniversary of ECW? So my Facebook lights up with basically like 75 people expressing some kind of interest and 50 of them basically saying, the moment you say this show is happening, I'm traveling and I'm buying the ticket. So I share the feedback with Todd by like Facebook Messenger. I'm like, so like, you know, what do we do now? He's like, Gertner, I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, I've had members of the original Eastern Championship roster reaching out to me, asking me for spots on a show that isn't even happening yet. <laughs> so between that and the feedback, I was like, well, Todd, so what do you want to do? He's like, what can we do? We have to run a show. All right. So it seems like the show is happening. What's crazier even than that is that I reached out to Roger at 2300 Arena and asked for that date the weekend that's the last weekend in April. And he goes, it's already booked. The good news is it's booked by a wrestling company. And like, this is probably, and I guess since it's about four months away, it's probably not so taboo, but I mean, the exclusive is, you know, these details are are the farthest we've gotten in putting it out there, but I'll let you guys know tonight that that, you know, the people who have the lock on that weekend and got it before us, I have no idea whether they just happened to get that date or whether they knew it was the 25th anniversary weekend and were planning something anyway. But now them and me and Todd's side of it and Roger, everybody's going to work together in putting together the ECW 25th reunion. So it's going to be something huge, and we hope that every single person that can be there is there. And, And, Jimmy, like any video that you have, of the stuff even that's pre-TV, so that, like, maybe it's not even on the network. But let's no, talk, this you know, off the podcast. The and if you can get us any of that kind of stuff for the purposes of the reunion, you know, we'll have whoever winds up being in charge of the production of that stuff, whether it's Rogers, in-house people, or, or whoever, you know, we'll have them, you know, put that into a video package. We'd really appreciate using that. And, and it, again, I mean, you know, it's, it's obviously, it's understood that you guys are, We'd love for both of you to be there. Well, thank you. That's um, my birthday, the, too. Uh, is it? Well, I can tell you, honestly, April 25th. What, what I believe, what I believe the, uh, the April date coincides with is the very first uh, when ECW champion was crowned, when Snooker was crowned champion. That could be it. That's probably it, then. That's probably mm. why. The third show. That's the April okay. date. When the yeah. world title started. Yeah, that could be it. Right. But, yeah, that's yeah. what Wikipedia says it is. So uh, everybody's running with that. Yeah, because that was nice. that Tabor show, okay? Tabor Rams, did, yeah. Uh, yeah, it was the Tabor show that uh, there was, like, a big battle. There was two big battle royals, 
and they did a battle royal because there were so many guys. Right. Uh, and right. they did the, the battle royal, that. and then the last part of it was Hot Body and, and Snooka, and Snooka ended up winning yeah. the belt. That I think I do have on tape somewhere. I swear I do. I'll have to look. I, I swear, I'm digging out my tapes, but yeah. So. <laughs> right. That's awesome. Now you got me thinking. So, but yeah, they were going to book something for that. So that's. Cool. I, I do have somebody I want to bring on too. He's been waiting the whole hour. Um, on our network, on our totally driven network, we actually have uh, we got two wrestling shows. We have uh, pro wrestling okay. now, and we also have uh, the legendary Smith Hart, uh, older other older brother of you know Brett Nolan. He does a show on our network, and uh, the guy on the line, Mike Mike Ferrara, Mike Ferrara. He uh, he hosts both shows. He hosts uh, he co-hosts oh, with cool. Smith, and he does his own show. I know he's going to want you as a guest as well, but he's uh, been waiting and he wants to say hi. So, Mike, you're on the air, and you're on with Mr. Joel Gerner. Joel, my name is my name is Magic Mike. That's no lie. The women love me, easy as pie. They know me as a thriller, but at the end of the day and night, I'm the original peach killer. <laughs> nice. Oh man, I gotta keep my game stepped up. Somebody's coming for my spot. See that? Nice. Yeah, good stuff, bud. They're sleeping on the job, Gardner. Joe Gardner, it's an honor, my friend. How are you, buddy? I'm good, dude. How are you? Man, I gotta just tell you, I was at the last ECW guilty as charged in. All I remembered was your opening promo, brother. It was great. I appreciate that. Thank you. I appreciate that. Also, I have my, uh, I have, uh, well, they they were saying that that I host two shows. I'm actually, somehow, I I, I do host um, Pro Wrestling Now with Magic Mike Ferrara. And uh, they, by the way, it's a year. It's my anniversary coming up, so I'm with you guys a year. Thank you very much for that. Oh, you're very welcome. And and then of course I got the gig with uh, Smith Hart, which I <laughs> which I never thought I would. Um, when they asked me, when they actually wrote me and asked me if I wanted to do, you know, something with like Smith, like work the board, I was like sure. And then um, they got up to I forget how many episodes. They got up to maybe twenty, I think they. And then you know Smith was out of a co-host, and then one day uh, I just started doing the co-host and. Uh, and it's kind of working, and I and I like Smith, and Smith's a great guy, so. Very cool. Yeah, it works out good. Works out good. Very cool. Very cool. Cool. You know, so, I, I uh, actually have actually, Smith on with me, actually. He's on the phone now, I think, too. Smith, are you there? <clears throat> Hello, Bay. This is Smith Hart. Go ahead. Oh, stop, Mike. Come on. I wanted to talk to you about my. I wanted to talk to you about something, but I, I guess I'll have to talk to you later. Hey Smith, you know this is this is my time now, buddy. Well, you know, like I just wanted to tell a story. You no, know, Smith, we have no time. Okay, sorry. All right, well, you gotta tune in. You want to hear a story? You gotta tune into the great the Hart Grapevine. He's got plenty of stories. Was that um, really Smith Hart, or was that like <laughs> Magic Mike? That what? didn't sound like Calgary to me. That sounded like Winnipeg <laughs> section of Maniums or something. Come on, bud. Was that really Smith Hart? 
Listen, <laughs> I've done Heartbeat Radio with Bob Johnson, co-hosting alongside the great Bruce Hart. And that oh show is goodness. always a blast. And I promise you, if you do a poor rendition of a Smith Hart impersonation ever again, I will have my close personal friend, because I've done his podcast twice, Bruce Hart, and he's going to yeah. put you in a sharpshooter, brother. I love that. I love when they put me in, the, in a sharpshooter. I'll tell you one thing, though, about Bob Johnson. I did a Hart family Thanksgiving, which you guys can hear on this network. It's on demand. And I got to, not only am I close now with Bob Johnson, and we talk, and he sends me guests. And he actually got me Ken Batera, but he's been he's been really, really cool. So, uh, and, uh, you know, I got to talk to Bruce, and I like and I like Bruce as as well. As obviously, I mean, I got to say it, I was a big Bret Hart fan growing up. So when I got the chance to do the Smith Hart show, it was like, you know, and I'm hearing the stories about Andre the Giant flopping around as Smith's going 100 miles or the stories about Stu wrestling the bear and the tiger. I mean, actually, this past Tuesday night on the show, I had two of my good friends on, and they were listening to the stories, and they were eating it up. They loved the stories. And Yo. that was a, and that wasn't a poor, and that wasn't a poor Smith heart. That was a good. It was, it was, oh, it was mediocre. It was, no, it was more mediocre than poor. It was all right. It was <laughs> like it was kind of sub average. It was all right. Hey, yeah, it was kind um, of me doing stupid kind of. You mentioned Ken Patero. Yep. Have you ever debated Ken Patero? Have I ever what? Debated Ken Patero. <laughs> oh, I thought you said dated. I'm telling he's not my type, uh, brother. Debated. I'll tell you why I asked. Because ahead, Bobby the Brain Heenan has debated Ken Patera. I watched it when I was 12 years old on TV. It was awesome. That, that's that's that pretty cool. No, I, I haven't debated. I haven't debated um, Ken Patera, but we got to you know we got to pick his brain, and uh, he actually I was actually happy because. He told a story about Bobby the Brain Heenan that he had told on another podcast, you know, with Ric Flair. So I think it's awesome. You know, it, it, it's like when you see somebody in the movies and they do a move in the movie and then they go and they do the same move, move like in, in your movie. It's like an honor, you know. So I got to listen to Ken Batera talk about Bobby the Brain Heenan and tell some stories. And, I mean, he was great. I mean, I wouldn't want to go head-to-head with Ken. But I tell you though, it, it was nah, you couldn't to... hear. You couldn't hear why, because you shouldn't ever debate Ken Patera. Ask me why, or the or this whole bit will fail. Why? Because if you ever did, he would flip the podium over on you and go after you, because that's exactly what he did to Bobby the Brain Heenan. Because I saw it when I was twelve years old on television. It was awesome. Uh, I got right, I got a YouTube that. that I got no. a YouTube that. Wait wait right. a minute. Now well, real right. quick, I I have to say, real quick, I have debated Ken Patera. You have? Yes. Bay, you remember years ago for Joel? I think I think that was before my time, what when you were doing the Piper thing. Let me let me say something real quick. I just want to say I, I know our, our yeah. next guest, Josh, is on hold. Josh, I, I see it. Just uh, please bear with me for a few more minutes. Janetti, uh, yeah, that was before my yeah. time. That was um, yeah. When no, you were doing we the paper game. Joel, Joel, what, I, what we used to do year, uh, before before actually I started wrestling in the ring, 
uh, Joel used to bring in uh, guys for luncheons, you know, question and answer sessions, so forth and so on. Uh, and the things that I used to do is, is sometimes I would dress up as Roddy Piper and do a Piper's Pit uh, with some of the people. And, yeah, I actually got to sit there and, and go toe-to-toe with, with Ken Patera. There was a couple, Dr. D, David Schultz, uh, interesting people. But, yeah, so I have debated Ken Patera. That's awesome. Just a shot. All right. Hey, but yeah, I, that got, right. I got a quick question for you. Did he put the podium on you? No, he did not. No, he did not. I dropped oh. the microphone and walked away. Ah. Oh. He dropped the mic before and Mike, it was even every, cool to drop the mic. That's right. Mike, and, and all the times I think I miss you, and then I hear you and realize I don't. Even my dog doesn't miss you. You never even met me. This is the first time I what what this is the first time I'm actually talking to you, Joel. Never ever ever miss you. Joel, you never met me. I it wasn't Joel, that was Jimmy, moron. What? Who? Oh. That I was Jimmy. I was talking Mike. to Joel. I'm sorry, Joel. I mean, I'm sorry, Jimmy. That I'm was sorry. me. Wait, 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 wait. For the record, let's there's too much confusion. Just so everybody knows. For the record, so everybody's clear. When Jimmy was talking about Joel bringing people in, he was talking about the other Joel G, Joel Goodhart, not me, Joel yeah, Gardner. And also to clarify, the canine voice that you heard that doesn't miss Magic Mike, that was, believe it or not, me doing an impression of Jimmy Janetti's dog doing an impersonation of Smith's heart as performed <laughs> by Magic Mike. <laughs> Not oh, himself. I didn't know. I didn't know who said he didn't miss me. I don't know what you know. I was wondering. I, I don't. I didn't. I didn't catch the. I, that was a good impersonation, by the way. Well, you're hey, killing me, Mike. Smalls. But if you don't know, now you know. There you go, Mike. I'll, I'll hook you up with Joel, and this way you guys can you can Joel can come and visit you on, uh, with Smithar, and you guys can do your show. I'm gonna hang up on you now because I have oh, to no wrap this Thank up you guys. Have a good night. To my next guest. You too, Mike. You got it. <laughs> All right. Uh, you asked for Yeah, that. so, Joel, <laughs> Joel, I want to thank you. I mean, we could sit and talk all night. We'll have to do it again. Because I, I, some things I wanted to talk to you about that we never got to talk about, I want to talk naturally. I want to talk food, diet. Uh, yeah. When are you coming back down to Philly? Because we got to go, like, eat. Talking diet with me is perfect. That's because I'm, I'm you don't get a body like this by accident. I don't know. I'll yeah, be okay. Philly. You'll be a Philly man? Ah, I out nice you. Yeah. You see that? That awkward pregnant pause of seven seconds, that worker, worker, brother, brother thing where we each waited for the other one to speak, and then you went ahead uh-huh. and spoke first. That's the way it should be. I was a guest in your house. See that? I out nice guide you. I love it when that happens. I'm always in Philly. <laughs> I've got fam in Philly. I've got best friends. Um, uh, my best man's from Philly. Um, I- I've got tons of fam in Philly. It's like 99 miles away. It's not like, uh, it's not very far. I'm there all the time. Even after the one-man show that I did a few weeks ago, I'm still welcome in Philly. So that probably means I'll always be. There you go. Well, yeah, mm-hmm. next time you come down, let me know so we can go eat. We can go eat and discuss oh, diet. Oh, and we're going to go eat? Where are we going to go eat? Yeah. Where? I, I, I'm i good anywhere. Where do you want to go? 
you want to go to Tony Luke's for like a, a pepperoni pizza ribeye, sharp wit? Like all the philosophers. I'll tell you what, sharp wit. You, you you get that, and, and I'm going to get uh, uh, roast pork with broccoli rob, uh, with sharp provolone, and uh, we'll split oh, half that's the other good one. Oh, yeah. oh yeah. my gosh! And I can pay for both of us, and out night sky you again. Oh, there you go. <laughs> oh, hey, brother, please. Oh my gosh! Don't threaten me with a good time, my friend. Joel, <laughs> uh, so I want to thank you. And before I let you go, I'm going to put you on the spot now. I always have people cut IDs for me, and uh, right. I'm going to need you to do uh, a well, well, well. This is Joel. Okay. Throw one of your uh, classic poetry lines in there, Gertner, and you're listening to Totally Driven Radio. Okay. Well, well, well. It is. I, the lyrical, lyrical, the sexual, intellectual, the cunning linguist, and the quintessential stud muffin, Joel. I'm on the air with the crew of Totally... Driven, the dream I'm chasing, the life I'm living, and when I come to Philly, the women come to me, it's given, that's all I can tell you now, until you check out the next episode of my podcast, the 69-Minute Eargasm, with guest Stevie Richards. Keep listening and have yourself an eargasm, Gertner. <laughs> See what I did there? Oh, Joel. Even, because, I, I saw you did. even though I was a guest in your house, I had <laughs> nice guy you guys twice. So then I turned around like any good heel manager would do, and I put, put my shit over. over, and I got my shit in at the end. <laughs> the best part of that whole thing was I heard the tongue wagging. Yeah. <laughs> That's the money maker right there, yeah. Yeah. I know, too funny. Joel, thank you again. Let's do this again. Uh, yeah, let's, we'll set it up for early next year to do it again and do some more talking and reminiscing and uh, discussing uh, food more next time. It was awesome. And if the deal is on the table to go to Tony Luke's and I pay for all of us, then I swear by goodness, you know, I mean it. Don't threaten me with a good time, and I will see you there unless you see me first. Sounds like a plan. Just let me know when. I'm there. You know that. All right. Take care, Joel. You got it. Hey, thank you, guys. Plug uh, plug where everybody can find you real quick, too. Oh, um, I work for Wildcat Sports Pro Wrestling, which is run by Luke Hawks. So I'm in New Orleans uh, for their live events every four to eight weeks and to do post-production every four to eight weeks. Now it is available exclusively over-the-air broadcast and on cable on the MyTV affiliate in New Orleans. So if you have access to WUPL Channel 54, uh, only on television, it's not available on the Internet right now. Um, If you have access to that, you can watch the shows. Uh, If you live nearby, come to the events. Otherwise, you can keep up with it on their website and at their Facebook 
Uh, I have a appearance in January in the New York City area in Queens. It's going to be Bill Alfonso, the Blue Meanie, and myself. We're going to be doing a meet and greet and then a VIP dinner. That's, I want to say, January 17th. It's on the mid-January Thursday, and you can find out about that on my social media. Um, I've got Stevie's podcast, the podcast of mine that he's a guest on, is going to be dropping in the next couple of days. So you can follow the 69-Minute Eargasm on Facebook and on Twitter. And uh, you, can, you can find me on Twitter at StudMuffinSays. You can find me on Instagram at QuintessentialStudMuffin. And uh, you can find me on Facebook as well. Awesome. And the ECW 25th anniversary is going to be in late April at 2300 Arena on Swanson. Swanson and Rittner, the infamous corner. Yes, sir. Used to be on Rittner. Now it's on Swanson. All the doors got oh, moved. All the walls got shifted. Yeah, yeah. Part of the dressing room is in four months. It's crazy. Yeah, it's a whole whole new thing now. Cool. Very cool. Yeah, we'll talk more, and, uh, yeah, hope to see you soon, Joel. You got it. Thank you, guys. Take care. All right, well, there he goes. The one and the only, Mr. Joel Gertner. And let's get right to it. Let's uh, welcome our next guest. He's been waiting patiently for 17 minutes. He's known as the boss, Mr. Josh Cole from Elevate. Josh, thanks so much for... uh, Hanging out. I hope you enjoyed Mr. Gertner. Oh, that was a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> How you doing, man? Didn't realize I was going to be doing all right. Didn't realize I had to follow up something like that. <laughs> Are you able to come up with uh, poetry and rhymes like uh, like that? Oh, uh, I don't think I can. That's not really my talent. <laughs> <laughs> That's a way to put you on the spot, isn't it? Uh, yeah, a little bit. <laughs> so, I mean, so you're actually, I mean, you're on the spot for the whole band tonight. So, um, and, and actually, yeah, uh, one of the things that I saw was you're actually one of the, the I guess, one of the, the latest or newest members of the band from two years back. Yeah, I was until this year the most recent. As of a few months ago, I'm now the second most recent. Oh. So this is, I mean, yeah. and this happens with, I mean, it's not just you guys, it's all bands. It's, you know, a, a revolving yeah. door, it seems, anymore. It's hard. Yeah, it's, yeah, it is pretty hard. Um, and we were doing all right, though. Uh, a couple months ago, we had to let go of the drummer for a variety of personal reasons he was having. It was, it was very difficult for him to continue going the way that we needed him to. So it was a shame because he's been in the band almost as long as anybody else, I think like 2008 or nine. Oh, wow. But yeah. Yeah. It came as a surprise to all of us that we had to do it, but. Sometimes you got to do it. You know, it's uh yeah, you got to, the weird thing is you actually have to put the whole band first over personal things. Uh huh. Yeah, definitely, and uh, that's what it came down to. Wow. Now you guys are from Kansas City, correct? Yep. Now, how how is 
how's the like the the metal scene out there? Is it is there much of a scene at all going on out there? Or? Um, kind of. Uh, it's primarily a lot of death metal, a lot of extreme metal. We're one of the few bands around that aren't. Um, it's a it's a pretty decent scene. It's not like the greatest, but I feel like a lot of people aren't aware of what comes out of here. Hmm. Well, there's somebody that has come out of um, Kansas City, and I was wondering uh, if this guy's like considered like a metal icon. There is uh, Richard Christie, drummer extraordinary, played in Death and. Uh, he's got his mm-hmm. band now, Charred Walls of the Damned, and he's on the Howard Stern show. So I, I was wondering if like people like really look up to him out there. Uh, well, kind of. I think uh, it's more of the people in Springfield, which is about like two hours away, because he was in the band Public Assassin uh, when he first started out in Springfield. And out in Springfield, they definitely they like to talk about the fact that that's where Richard Christie came from, but not so much here. Gotcha. Yeah. Still, still, uh, it's, still it's kind of interesting. It's cool, though. Now, one thing you guys got, too, is, like, everybody in the band has got nicknames. Like I said, you're the boss. Now, how did you get your nickname? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't really remember. Uh, I just remember at one point, uh, Dan, Dan War, he, uh, he referred to me once. I think looking at pictures of a show or something said Josh the boss, and that's just sort of what stuck because you kind of got, you know, the Man of War thing. We really like having the Man of War thing going, Ross the boss, Josh the boss. Yeah, that's 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 what I was thinking. I saw the boss, and once I saw Dan with Dan War, I was like, holy, I mean, he's got yeah. to be a Man of War fan. There's no ifs, ands, or buts yeah. about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, when Drew Blood first joined the band, his nickname, like, among all of his friends was Man of War, and this, that had to be changed because we couldn't have a Man of War and a Dan of War in the band. Right. That's funny. That's funny. <laughs> now, yeah. The uh, the latest album that came out actually came out back in was it July I think. Yeah. And that's called Weapons Against Their Will. Yeah. Now one thing was it, it, it took uh, I was reading as I was going through like uh, news stories and, and info and all. Um, it took two years to make. How come uh, it was? Uh, it sounded like there was like a big reason why. <laughs> yeah. Uh man, it just it was just a a big mess and I hope we don't have to go through that again. Um what what happened was that it took about a year to write it, which um really sh- it shouldn't have taken that long, but uh just since I I joined right as the writing was starting. So took a little bit to acclimate and really get into high gear. And then it took about a year to record, which uh, really, like, we got delayed, right, as soon as we were going to start it. So what probably would have taken a couple months ended up getting stretched out into about a year. And, wow. yeah, it's definitely not something we're wanting to repeat for our uh, for the next one. Yeah, I was going to say, like, uh I hope you guys aren't going to wait like two years to do another one. I mean, are you just planning to uh, get another one out maybe in 2017 or? Um, I would like to, 
uh, I'm not sure whether or not that's going to happen, especially with uh, trying to work with a new drummer now. Um, but either hopefully 2017 or like the middle of 2018, it won't, it won't, you know, take two years to get it out from once we start. Sure. Yeah. Something, something too that I was saying too, which was, it's really cool. And I love to hear like, uh, I mean, here, here we have Josh, the boss, a guy from the Kansas city area, um, playing in this band that, puts out an album and it's getting reviewed all around the world. So <laughs> I love to know like when those reviews start coming in and you're saying like, I think it was Belgium and a couple other places. Like, do you say to yourself like, how the hell did they get our music? Like, how did this happen? And, you know what I mean? Like I, it's, it's a freaky thing. Like how you're like, your things now can just end up all over the world. Yeah. That's, it's definitely uh, kind of weird because up until this album, it's been like local shows, maybe like regional shows around the Midwest. Nothing a whole lot. And then we released the album. We know we get it in the right places. And now we're getting like reviews from like, yeah, like Belgium and Germany. Like we're doing guest DJ spots in like Europe and stuff. It's, <laughs> it, it's, it's quite a surreal experience and like nothing I was really ready for. Yeah. Um, it, it, it's got to be such a great feeling, though. It, it totally has to be mind blowing. Good stuff. Yeah, it, definitely. <laughs> now, how about you were saying about the, the touring, and you guys have kind of stayed regional. Um, has that lead led you guys to break out a little further out of the, your region, or? Yeah, uh, we did a tour back in August for the album and it was we didn't get to go very far it was um sort of like a first like baby's first tour we were trying to just get our feet wet and we didn't want to start stretching out going too far we went we definitely started to climb a little bit out of our area we went up to like uh minnesota and we we went up north and kind of west ish so we didn't get entirely out of our area but it was definitely a little bit of a stretch and we intend to Hopefully in the summer, we haven't totally started uh, working on that yet to do another one, but probably go east, maybe southeast-ish. Yeah, I was going to say, like, did you guys get out like, to Pennsylvania, Philadelphia area at all, or you didn't come out that uh, Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, we, we'd like to go out that far. Um, it just comes down to the routing trying to figure all of that out but yeah we definitely want to hit the east coast all the bands around here the tour they always hit the west coast they always go down to like nevada and california and we want to kind of switch it up head out a new part of the country that nobody else in kansas city seems to want to go to damn nobody nobody likes us on the on the east coast huh <laughs> nobody wants to go out west <laughs> yeah yeah I, I don't know what it is all but all the bands they like to go out west California and stuff, and that's uh, we, we we're not really wanting to do that. Oh, very so. so uh, any more touring plans uh, in the works right now? We're putting together anything? Or? Uh, yeah, we're talking about. We're talking about doing some regional weekend stuff through the spring. Uh, hitting up uh, like Milwaukee, 
and uh, Chicago, places like that. And then in the summer, hopefully going to put together another somewhat large tour, like probably bigger than we did last time, hopefully. Oh, nice. Nice. Yeah. How how was the experience from uh, the first tour? I mean, like you said, it was like the the baby getting its feet wet for the first time. (laughs) How was it for you? Yeah. Yeah, uh, it was a lot of fun. It was a pretty big challenge uh, and had a few shows kind of fall through, but that's sort of what happens when you do a DIY sort of last minute type tour. Like we, we did, you know, if you don't have a booking agent, there's no guarantee that when you show up, there will actually be a show, but uh, it was a pretty positive experience. We found some new little scenes around the country that we really liked. We hooked up with a band in Detroit called Euphoria. They're starting to get around now. They had just released their first album too. And we did about half the tour with them, and they gave us they gave us quite a competition because they're they're pretty incredible live too. That's awesome. Yeah, that's you know it's um back um uh, a good friend of mine. We played in a band together for like sixteen years, and he he's played in he would be playing in like five or six bands at one time, and one of the bands he was playing in um they did. They did like three or four tours. Um, yeah. And I, I remember like he would be telling, like he would be calling me daily with updates and all. And that some of this stuff, I mean, it literally would just sound like a nightmare or like um, <laughs> some of this stuff was just, I mean, crazy. Like, yeah, like you're saying, like you would get to a, a city and for a show and shows are canceled and now you don't have gas money to get to the next city. And they, yeah, I mean, they were like eaten out of dumpsters and stuff, and it, yeah, it a very interesting story yeah. going on. <laughs> yeah, it's it's definitely like that, especially if you if you don't budget that well, if you just like that, if you don't, if you get really unlucky. We we somehow managed to do all right. Uh, still not entirely sure how it is that it worked out like that. Now, did you guys just like have a van and and do it, or? Uh, we, we have a trailer and we actually just piled into a SUV. It was, uh, not a great experience. Definitely. We're not going to be doing that (laughs) on the next tour. It was definitely not big enough. And I'm really surprised that we all didn't kill each other. considering we were on the road in that tiny little SUV for two weeks straight. I, I guess you can see there like, um, how bands end up getting in, in, into so many fights while they're on the road from being like <laughs> cramped up with each other for so long. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly it. I really don't know how we managed it. Probably we, we spent a lot of time in the car just uh, emulating Pokemon on our phones. I think that's what got us through it. We weren't interacting with each other a whole lot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so awesome. That is too funny. <laughs> Thank God for Pokemon. <laughs> yeah, for real. They about halfway into the tour, they convinced me to try it, and then it was me, the singer, and the bassist in the back seat all the time, just playing Pokemon. That's just too Pokemon, funny. and then rock and roll. <laughs> <laughs> it's a hell of a combination. Yeah. It really is. <laughs> oh, that's funny. So, 
so I, I, I guess now, I mean, just the, the the plan is now to head into 2017 and just keep uh, keep the album out there, promoting it, and uh, try to get another tour going and just more shows, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's sort of the plan. We're putting stuff together to um, do a big local show as like our since we haven't played locally since the release show in July. Oh wow! So we're wanting to put together yeah a big a big show locally and then do some weekend runs and then hopefully another, at least one more tour, hopefully to support the album. And in that time we'll be writing and stuff. So hopefully by 20, hopefully like late next year, early 2018, we have, we can start promoting the new one too. Cool. Very cool. Very nice. Now, how about, um, I saw you guys had, uh, uh, your first lyric video that you guys put out for, um, I guess it was the single. Uh, will there be any, like, actual videos or anything that you might do? Or um, We were talking about making a video, and we were actually going to make a video on the tour, but that fell through. Um, we haven't been talking too much about doing a music video, but uh, it's not out of the question. We, we, did, we were considering doing one for either the song Street Reaper or The First Flame. We never quite got around to doing it because of the tour and then uh, firing, having to let go of the drummer. So, right. But yeah, uh, yeah, video is not out of the question and that might be something good to keep the promotion going into this upcoming year. Absolutely. Absolutely. Very cool. Well, let me... uh... I, well, I had uh, I guess it's the single Nocturnal Grip is that the first single? Yep, yep, that was the first single. All right, cool. I got that queued up. Um, before I let you go, though, put out all the plugs. Where can everybody find you guys? Where can everybody get uh, the album? I know you, actually there's a couple of releases out there, some older ones, but um, where they where can they get all the Hell of Eight music and find you guys and follow you guys and like you and love you and all that other fun stuff. All right, uh, you can go to our website, hellevate.com, our Facebook page, uh, just hellevate. Uh, you can find our music on on Bandcamp. Just search Hellevate Bandcamp. You'll find us there. You'll get uh, order physical copies and also digital downloads of the album and then the EP before it, and those would be the best places to find information about us and our music. Nice. Very, very cool. Well, Josh, I want to thank you. It's been a lot of fun. All right. I'm going to uh, make everybody now uh, get some whiplash and bang their head as we uh, crank this out. Here's a little uh, help right. for everybody. Here's a nocturnal grip. Joel, thanks again. Have a happy holidays, safe New Year, and uh, hopefully you guys get to Philly in 2017. Thanks, Josh. Thank you.
freaking <laughs> this computer. Oh, yeah. I, the, the page freaking crashed, and I couldn't. I had muted muted the sound. I couldn't get it back on. So there, right, there you go. <laughs> Hellevate. Nocturnal Grip. Check them out. Hellevate.com. Find out. Yeah, all the links there to their uh, social media, their band camp, and check them out. Get the stuff. Buy it. Buy it. Buy it. Buy it. Support local music. Do it. So. There you go. Well, well, well. Yeah. But this whole time I've been bagging and boarding my, uh, this weekly's booty. From the comic book store. <laughs> yeah, I'll be going actually uh, Saturday to Ontario Street Comics, our good uh, our good friend and sponsor. They are doing a, a Christmas celebration, and they're going to have Bat Santa there, as well oh, as Krampus or Krumpus. It is like something like that. Krampus. And um, yeah. Krampus. And also mm-hmm. going to have um, one of the, uh, the uh, banana splits there as well. Yeah. Uh, well, you know why? That, and this is interesting. I don't know if you've seen. This is why I brought up comics. Have you seen what the DC Comics? Uh, I, I you know you've probably seen that coming out with the new Hanna Barbera line of comics. Um, have you seen those? No. Scooby Doo Apocalypse. No, you haven't seen those. Like oh, kind you of know, adult, I might have. Yeah, adult updated comics for the Flintstones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I have the I, I had the first issue of the Flintstones one. Right, and and yeah. So, but now they're going to be doing since they've been doing these crossovers lately with um, He Man and the Masters of the Universe did with DC, and now they're doing He Man and Thundercats. Um, but they've been doing a, a few of these crossovers, and now they're going to be crossing over Hanna-Barbera with some of the DC Comics guys. Uh, and I say this, Banana Splits will be there, because that seems to be the most interesting pairing when they're going to be doing the Suicide Squad versus the Banana Splits. Nah, when's that? Swear to God. Huh? Coming out in April. When is that happening? Be, I think... I think it's about April it's coming out. But they're also doing um, Green Lantern, or not Green Lantern. Is it Green Lantern? Yeah, Green Lantern and Space Ghost, which is interesting. I actually want to see that, Hal Jordan and Space Ghost. I think they did. Um, And you probably didn't see this, but uh, a few years back, they did a comic, well, it was a miniseries, about six issues of Space Ghost. And basically gave him like an adult updated kind of feel. You know, it wasn't that kid deal from the 70s with Hanna-Barbera cartoons. Um, it's kind of like, you know, kick-ass Space Ghost. So it was a pretty cool series. So I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to that with Green Lantern. And um, there's two others, and I can't remember them right now offhand. Um, oh, yeah, Snagglepuss will be there at some point. <laughs> so interesting stuff. Interesting stuff. But, yeah, that, I, the one that intrigued me the most was the Suicide Squad and the Banana Squad. So That is funny. <laughs> and Drooper, that's who he's having. I yeah. guess he was the one that showed that Drooper had died, so I guess that's why he did that. So, yeah, 
Oh. Take photos with Batman, a.k.a. Bat Santa, Krampus, and even Drooper, the lion from the old Banana Splits TV shows. They will be here on Terry Street Comics from noon to four on Saturday. Absolutely. That's, that's you know. But yeah, I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> that's funny. Uh, there you go. And he uh, also announced January 1st, the annual New Year's <laughs> sale begins January 1st. Uh, will it be more than one day? What will be on sale? What will the discounts be for this year? Only the insane pirate captain knows, and he hasn't spoiled any more details yet. Loose lips, sink ships. Tune, mateys. There you go. Yeah. So I'll be there for that, too. That's when he does, like, the big uh, back issue sales and Right. Yeah. yeah, I'll be there for that. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right, so uh, the auction I went to, I finally, uh, I think I was even telling you last time, there's an auction house right around the corner from my house. Yes. That I never went to. Well, yeah. I finally went. Yes. So last, last Wednesday, um, I, was, I was coming home from, uh, from Hooters, from my Hooters lunch. And I saw there was cars out there, and uh, I was like, let me go inside and see what they got. So I went in, and uh, they had a, you know they have everything out so you can do a preview of what's going on. So I uh, I previewed, and they had a bunch of musical instruments, like they had like three or four acoustic guitars. They had uh, an electric bass. They had a couple small amplifiers. Um, they had a whole table full of like the big die cast NASCAR stuff and or just some like you know like muscle car that die cast and stuff like that and mm. I was like well shit yeah I'm I'm bidding so I registered the bid and I came back went home came back two hours later when it started and I ended up getting I bought an acoustic guitar for yeah. ten dollars which I now have listed on eBay for uh, two fifty. They go for about yeah, they go for about two to two fifty on eBay. So two fifty or best offer with free shipping. Um, I bought a three die cast. Um, one was a seventy three Firebird. One is a or any other two are like NASCAR cars. Um, but I sat there the Saturday and I listed all this stuff and the one diecast, the Firebird, they were going on eBay for between 50 to $90. I was like, wow. Okay. So I threw it on there for, uh, for 60 bucks within three hours, gone 60 bucks. <laughs> I was like, Oh shit. Um, yeah, the cool thing was I, I also bought, there was like a little, stack of old, like, Archie comics. Uh, it was probably about 20 comics. It was, like, Archie stuff, Hanna-Barbera comics. Uh, but, okay. like, the old Gold Key comics, stuff like that. And um, there was a couple made magazines in there, too, from the 70s. So, I bought, I got all three of those, the guitars, cars, comics, for, with the fees and all, because you got to pay a 15% buyer's fee on top. Came out to forty two dollars for all that. Uh, 
So you made it back to first sale with the car. Yeah. Now everything else is sold the car. Yeah. Sold the car for sixty bucks. And actually I sold one of the man magazines today for five bucks. So I still have more stuff yeah. uh, waiting to be sold, so yeah. I'm ahead of the game. Always works out well. Yeah, it's been a, yeah. it's been a fiery weekend uh, for eBay here. I've done in the last uh, three, four weeks, like 50 items sold. Wow. 53 to be exact. Holy shit. So. Let me see what I... Yeah, I've been not 53, I wish, but... Yeah, well, no, and, and some of the stuff I'm telling you I'm selling is the weirdest stuff. Because you know me, I you know, somebody would give me something years ago or whatever the case is, you know, mm-hmm. they would just have something or whatever. If I kept it, I kept it for years. Um, those old Zippo lighters and, you know, any of that. That's dude, I've been listing all that. It, it's all sold. Like, really? So, Yeah. We're, we're, we're trying to figure out I, I bet you got the money for them freaking things, too. Yeah. Yeah. There's a couple pieces that I never, I never expected to sell. And recently, it's been, there's been a few things that, like, small stuff that, that I put on there that, that I tried selling for the past seven years that I haven't sold and that has sold this week. Wow. So, yeah. Like I had a camera. It was an old. It's an old camera. I I haven't tested it because it hadn't had film run through it. But you know, really wasn't. It's more of a collector piece, I guess. Now, uh, had it on there for like eight dollars, and it finally sold this week after seven years. I've been trying to sell that thing. <laughs> but now a lot of this stuff. Most of what I did, you know, I wait for times where they tell, you know, they free list. And that's when I put this stuff on. I don't pay to list that, you know, those those types of things. Oh, yeah. If I'm getting free auctions, yeah, I'll throw them up there. But, you know, so it hasn't been like I've been trying to sell it monthly or, or weekly for the past seven years. It's just been over the times, you know, whenever it's a free list, screw it, throw it on there. Uh, you know, just to have extra stuff on there. Yeah, I mean that's that's what I've been doing, dude. I've just been listing everything, and um, yeah, <laughs> it's always the free list. But you know what? I I I, uh, I did the store option now, so okay. yeah. So I, yeah, I see, get I like think, I hated five hundred free list no matter what. Right. Well, yeah. See, I don't I don't get that. Uh, but you pay a fee for that monthly. Yeah. Yeah, see, that's the gimmick. I don't, you know. Um, but when I originally, uh, before they started I, I think this store crap. Okay. Go ahead. No, go ahead. No, I think I, I think I think I get a, a lower um, cut taken, too, on the back end, too. Right. I think. Right. Oh, and, I, and I do as well. I get the, because uh, I have, uh, what do they call it? Oh, uh, shit. Basically, I get like a twenty percent discount, right? On fee, on yeah. So it's top rated sellers, what is what I have on that. So that's you know, 
that gets me the knockdown on the fees. But originally, before they started doing the store where they were pushing the store option, I mm-hmm. used to get like 200 and some listings free every month because right. of the top seller and so forth and so on. After they started the store option and to get people to buy the store, so they gave them more options, my auction, my free auctions went down to 40 a month. I was like, fuck. So, wow. And then they'd throw you down again where they'd throw you that 500 or 1,000 free auctions, whatever. But, yeah, my monthly went from 250 to 40 I was pissed. Yeah, that's, that's like, ridiculous. I mean, that's drastic. Yeah. Because I sat there and, and one, and it just, and, and like I said, I don't, you know, I don't, you know, I don't pay attention to a lot of shit. So they could have emailed me up and down for months and, and said, hey, this is happening and this is going to happen. But I didn't realize it until I listed one month. And I had, you know, like a hundred things that went on at once. And after 40, it started charging me. And I was like, what the hell is this? So, oh. Yeah, I was mad. Now, here, here's something for you. <clears throat> so, uh, you know, Rita works at the, the library now. So she comes right. home last weekend and says um, somebody came in or whoever, they brought in a whole bunch of old VHS tapes that a lot of them they're just giving away for free. There's a free box. And some they're selling, and they're like a dollar a piece. I said, oh. So I, I always remember people saying, like, the old Disney ones are worth money. So I said, is is there any, well, I said, is there any Disney one there? She said, yeah. So she brings home three the first day, and then, so I start looking them up on eBay. Dude, like, some people are paying ridiculous money for these certain ones, and they're either the Masterpiece Collection ones or the Black Diamond Classic ones. And some of them, people are like, Selling them for like forty thousand dollars. Oh wow! I don't know about those. It's insane, but yeah, but people are actually paying, like actually, like like like, uh, actual sold copies of some of them. The most I was seeing, like people were actually physically spending fifteen thousand dollars on a freaking videotape. I don't know what to tell you there, really. So she brought she brought home four more the other day, and a lot of these are these black diamonds and these classic masterpiece ones and all. So I threw them on there. I you know, I saw what like the average of what people were doing. You know, I sold put some on there for like eight thousand, put some on there for two thousand, four thousand. You know what the hell? Have you sold any? Somebody buys one, yeah. Have you sold any? I don't care what they. Oh no, no. I, I just actually I just listed them last night. If you if you sell one of them motherfuckers, man, you're the man. Right? I mean, even, I don't care if somebody even lowballs and says, "Hey, I'll give you a hundred bucks for it." Still. Yeah. 
You know what I mean? No, they don't sell right. it if they give you if they offer you a hundred bucks, dude. You know, you see what they're selling for. <laughs> right. Say no, hell, I take I'll take five thousand. <laughs> there you go. You know? Yeah, dude, don't lowball the first time out, man. That ain't uh, nah. that don't help you. So, but yeah, but she's gonna be bringing home more. Like, oh, I said, I, you know, whatever. If you've got to buy it for a dollar piece, I'll give you the, you know, I'll give you the. Yeah, money. the. Uh, so he, oh now, but dude, don't put this out on the air now. What the hell? Better go over there tomorrow and get them. <laughs> well, they don't know what library. Well, they they hear this and they will. <laughs> uh, that's funny. That is funny. Yeah, I've had, uh, like I said, some weird, interesting sales, you know, and some stupid people along with it. You always get those. Yeah, you, you want stupid people? So uh, today at work, uh, I get an email oh. about a, a car. Or, or we have a car for sale. It's a Lexus, old Lexus RX 350. Like, I think it's an 06 or a 07. But uh, we're asking $7,000 for it. So this person, uh, her name was Princess. Princess emails and says, I'll give you $6,000 for it. Okay? So I said to the owner, I said, hey, I got an email from this car. Uh, they're offering 6000 What do you want to do? He says, uh, email them back. Tell them I'll take the 6000 but they have to buy it within 24 hours. Okay? Yeah, the dog liked that idea, too. So I uh, so I email the person back, and you know what the response is I get? I only have five thousand. I said, um, you asked if you would buy it for six. We will take six. I can't help if you only have five. It's like really like, why do you say first of all? Yeah. Like, what, why would you bother emailing somebody to say, "I'll give you six thousand, but you don't have the six thousand"? Right. They probably thought you'd say no. I don't know. Probably. Anyway. Huh? So they probably thought you'd say no. But they're also in the stupid file. I, I forgot. I haven't told you. I don't think they finally came and picked up that fucking uh, that car. You know what? You, you had told Jess. She was telling me. Yeah. And it was funny as hell. They finally came and picked it up, but I had to call them to come get it. And I threatened them. I told them, I said, here, you got, I said, I'm going to give you three days to call me back with a time and a date that you're coming to pick up this car or on the fourth day, I will call you back with the name of the person that did. (laughs) Uh, It is not not my deal. Come and get it. So how quick did they call you back? They said, and come and get, but yeah, no, they do. They sent me back and forth. They sent me to the, um, to the person because Toyota Lexus Financial doesn't have didn't have the uh, 
the thing on it anymore. They sold it to a creditor. So they put me they put me in touch with the creditor. And the creditor called me back and said, uh, we don't have any way to come pick it up. I said, well, you better tell Lexus Financial to come pick it up then. Because <laughs> this is yours. It's not mine. So, yeah, back and forth. And then they sent me a letter that said, basically saying that they had grabbed the car. Not that I didn't know that. But the standard repo letter. And that if you wanted to pick the car back up, you had to come in here and pay this and do that. And I was like, I didn't want the fucking thing in the first place. Yeah, right. <laughs> so if you wanted I'm it, you, you would have... Uh, I called you to come right. get it. Definitely not coming back to pick it up. You've been telling them to come yeah, get yeah. it since day one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, at least that's done now. That that all yeah. that car BS is done. Oh, thank God, man! It's ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. So. Mm-mm-mm. All right. Well, let's uh, let's wrap it up because uh, I'm yeah. going to go wrap up a couple things to send out tomorrow. A couple eBay sales I got to send out tomorrow, and uh, I got to head okay. to bed. Yeah. Sounds good. I'll finish up my time with you. There you go. So, uh, yeah. So, uh, next week, the big show. Year-end edition. Yeah. Best of 2016. Nick will be uh, rejoining us for that show. Uh, we're going to have mm-hmm. uh, be picking our 2016 awards. And, um, yeah. It's going to be fun. I can't wait. That's fun. I actually have to do work, though, which means I have to remember stuff, write it down. I know. That's, I know. Either uh, way. I got I to actually sit and go through a whole year of shows and see who all the guests were, so I don't feel bad. <laughs> so, yeah, so that'll be next week. And actually, this weekend, I'll be doing my... Uh, Best of 2016 Top 25 Countdown of 2016 on Toe Jam Radio Rocks. So tune in for that. Top 25 of 2016. And, uh, yeah, so there you go. So uh, until next week, uh, thanks to everybody that was a part of the show tonight. Thanks to uh, Kristen, as always. Thanks to uh, Mr. Joel Gertner. And thanks to uh, Josh from Hell of Eight. And thanks to Mr. Gennetti, as always. No, no, no. Thank you. Thank you. So I guess you're actually going to – that'll be an excuse for you actually to come up now. So you'll be up for my birthday for the ECW then. Well, yeah, I guess so. I guess I have to do that. I was hoping that, you know, they'd do it on the actual 25th anniversary. They couldn't have gotten a better day. February 25th. Saturday, put them in bed. Right. Yeah, those guys mess up everything. That's right. <laughs> Leave it to Wikipedia. That's what happens. Nah, yeah, right. That's what it was. Wikipedia. Too funny. Okay. All right. On that note, I'll be talking to you later on. And uh, everybody, yes. I'll be talking to you all later on. 
And, uh, yeah, until next time, stay driven and see ya. Good, everybody. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.